0: Mr. Bill Murray, looking in, rooting for 61.
1: Bill 1. Swung that built it. there it goes! Number 61, move over Merris! Mark McGuire with 62 homers. Sammy Sosa with 61, and we have two weeks to go in the season who will win the race. The stretch, the 1-1. He laid off outside. 2-1.
0: Look at those folks waiting for number 62. The net's almost unfair. The 2-1.
1: Swap, on there she goes. Number 62. No count, two down. Sosa waiting. Swung
0: on. Deep, Bart McGuire. You got company. Sixty-three. Grand slam home run. Sammy Sosa.
1: Seven to five. Cubs. Bottom of the ninth two down the brewers have the bases loaded and a 2-2 count on the hitter here's the pitch swung on fly ball left field brant brown going back
0: Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap. And with us, as always, is Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you?
1: Uh, I'm excited, Andy, because uh, I have an opportunity now to discuss and think about anything uh, besides the 2021 20, Cubs right now.
0: I thought we would just run down all of the times in Cubs history that they have been up 7 to
1: nothing and. And to right. I, th- I think we corralled three of them uh, to uh, at basically edify our friend Dave Kaplan, who said
0: it who, never happened.
1: It's like, oh, they're the Cubs. Said, of course, it's happened. Well, first of all, he, so he did a live tweet. He didn't tweet this. He tweeted the message, but he recorded himself at County Stadium, Balon. And I do love Cap's inner meatball. I mean, I would never publicly like he puts himself out there with some really outrageous stupid shit sometimes real meatball stuff like and he's he's throwing guys under the bus. i mean he's ripping on arietta you know and these are guys that he comes across and interviews so you know kudos to him uh but he came up with this he said that and i transcribed it and tweeted it myself but he said that they were 15 and 0 in other words, in the history of their franchise, which, is, as we know, is now running on about 150 years or so, had never uh, lost the game after being up 7 nothing. No lie, three hours earlier, just to be a smart, just to be a, a remember-this-crap idiot uh, myself, I was at my desk. The game was on. Jake Marisnik gets a 2-RBI single to make the score 7 nothing. As soon as the Cubs get the third out, I tweeted, again, just to be a smart ass or just to point it out because I, I had recalled it, that uh, in case you are wondering if the Cubs had ever blown a 7 nothing lead in Milwaukee, uh, I give you the Brant Brown game, um, which, of course, oh, I thought about no. That. <laughs> Oh, no! I thought about it later today, and we'll obviously deep dive on that if ever we pull up 1998 or whenever we pull up 1998, but it's one of those things where that was obviously far worse, far more terrifying, and it's probably one of the worst things we ever lived through, even though we only had to live through it for Five days, six days, and it was already, you know, should have been off our shoulders, but it lives on forever. Long story short, uh, the Cubs had not only once overcome a 7 nothing lead, or had blown a 7 nothing lead, excuse me. They'd done it in Milwaukee on a day game. Different stadium. It was the final, second to last year of... Uh, county Stadium, but they also blew a game that I was in attendance at on the south side of the White Sox, up eight nothing. Kerry Wood starts walking the ballpark. We'll get to that when we talk 2002. Uh, we will not discuss 1929, but that was an epic uh, game in which uh, I, I did reference it oddly enough last week when we talked about. <laughs> aside from Andy Pasco, the last great Cubs center fielder. Was Hack Wilson who dropped a ball that led to a huge ten-run rally in the eighth inning of Game Three of the nineteen twenty-nine World Series, or Game Four, I believe. Cubs were up eight nothing in that game. So between you, me, and, amongst you, me, and TJ, we corralled those three games examples pretty quickly. Um, but so
0: that was that was against the Philadelphia Athletics.
1: Philadelphia, I think I said Oakland last week because I'm a moron. But obviously, same franchise. But Philadelphia A's twenty-nine. Comes through an eight nothing lead in the World Series. So there's Kaplan. God bless him. But like, who was he sitting next to that told him that? Like, and how was he so Jesse. gullible just to just to turn that around? It looked count. like he was. It looked like he was in the stands. I don't think he was working.
0: Yeah, I don't think they let him in the press box. I mean, with yeah. the, uh, with the COVID restrictions, I, if he's not really working and going up there to do his sponsored recaps, does not count. He, I'm sure he does not have <laughs> access to the. Uh,
1: uh, well, man, spe- speaking of sponsors,
0: yeah, I have an update about the sponsor. Uh, oh. If anybody knows any uh, any other uh, male nut shaving products, let me know. Um, because is- you the you the listeners, nobody used the code in June. Manscape is is ta- Manscape is taking July off. Oh no! You don't have to sit through the ponderous reads. There will be no reads. It's uh it's we're ad free in July. See, it's a it's a benefit to you, the listener, not a detriment to me, the podcast host.
1: So, so much for that. So well, for I that. will enjoy. I I will be restocking re, uh, the yeah. They sent us a lot sh- of free sh- shit. Yeah, the crop shaver blades I definitely use. I use the the weed whacker, which is the nose hair trimmer. Um, so we don't need to plug that anymore. But I will at some point uh, be going back. So I'll be sure to use the remember twenty discount and see if they want to. Yeah, let's see if that works. <laughs> fire up that endorsement wagon again <laughs>
0: go and go to manscape see if that code still works maybe it does maybe it doesn't so we, we have no there is no uh, further ado we can spin the wheel of crap we don't okay. have to talk about uh hot guy summer or whatever that
1: that's right we <laughs> really went out on a high note with that ad that read <laughs> Did we take off? Oh, if we land on it, because the the previous Look one. at that. Wow.
0: Now, people are going to think we cheat, because you said, no. if we get to this, we mm-hmm. just talked about it. It's 1998.
1: This is great. And I just want to say that I was getting so tired. We're doing this by hook or by crook. We're going to get it done. We decided on this. It was kind of my idea, this wacky spin a wheel and talk about it. Uh, we're going to get to all 32 anyway, but... You know, we really had done an inordinate amount of teams in the 90s, really, let's just say. And uh, I was really having my fill, and I actually thought, well, maybe, Andy, and I didn't even discuss this with you, you can confirm, but I had the thought. Of uh, Can we slightly rig the wheel nope. to just do 1980, 1990, and replace 1986 with 1990? Well, we didn't do any of that. Now we you, went you in s- cold.
0: You saw that game show movie with Ray Fines and the little guy from Northern Exposure, right? You can go to jail for that. Good show. You can't, you can't rig a I I guess this isn't a game yeah. show. We probably could rig it because there are no prizes. But,
1: uh, well, still. See. And you forgot you forgot to mention John Torturo also, I believe, right? He was I in the quiz that. show.
0: I think, I think I saw that movie once. Was pretty, if I remember, it was pretty good. It, and
1: it's true. It was. It, you know what? It came out in 1994, the same year as like Hoop Dream, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, and of course the Oscar winner, Forrest Gump, which was probably the fifth best in that group. Uh, who? Yeah, quiz show was really good. But... That's that. You can save that for a Pusateri podcast. Yeah, I don't, do I don't think I don't
0: think we're gonna. I really, uh, I'm not here for that. Yeah, I don't think so. We're not doing the English patient. We're not doing quiz show. I don't know what else. Is there a Ray Fiennes movie we might do? And honestly, buddy, give it up. Your name is Ralph. It's not <laughs> Rafe. <laughs> it's Ralph. L R A L P H. Maybe was he in King Ralph with John Goodman? Maybe King Rafe.
1: Maybe was it was a maybe the sequel? Thank you for saying what needed to be said.
0: All right, so you gotta give us five quick facts about the nineteen ninety-eight
1: Cubs. First playoff appearance in nine seasons, which uh I believe would remain the longest drought. Uh, second longest, the most recent one. Eclipsing it. Uh the Cubs clinched the fact number two is the Cubs of course clinched the that playoff appearance on the in the one hundred and sixty-third game of the season. It was the summer of Sammy and his uh cub franchise record 66 home runs but it was also the summer fact number four of Kerry wood who burst onto the scene as a rookie and um and sosa was the mvp wood was there can i come up with a random fact um i i'm just going to throw out two guys that definitely pitched for the cubs in, or one I, now it's only one i can't remember the other guy's name i'm just going to throw out the name don wangert was oh, yeah. in fact a member of the 1998 cubs he pitched 21 uh, it, times in a particularly harrowing September, uh, which I hope we have an opportunity to go through. Um, I would expect this thing to uh probably go a couple of hours because it's finally a maybe not a great team and we'll give it its you know its place maybe in, in, in not history. a great team i <laughs> don't you have to go on a limb for that a playoff team though a playoff team andy of the 32 seasons that oh, we're doing it here, was it was only fun. six only will, six were play- it was it was actually that this yeah. was a
0: really fun year but we, I, we knew even as we were watching it they were not good they had a great I was, player but they weren't good
1: I was I was in discussion with our friend uh, Andrew Peck earlier this week. Uh, I think in response to last week's uh, "Remember This Crap," but we got a little riff going on 1998, and I will I can just tell you now, having thought about it, that. It was easily probably the most fun uh, summer I ever had following the Cubs. Personally, just being 26, living in the city, going to 25 games. Uh, I swear, went about eight Kerrywood starts. Saw all kinds of crap that we're gonna, you know. I'm happy to happy to dive into because it was a lot. of, Might have been one of the most fun seasons. Way more fun than other several other playoff teams that, as you said, were probably better, like 08, 07, and 08, and and whatnot. So, and I don't the know recent ones. Oh uh, seven. Well, no. Well, I'm saying that in '98 was more fun than '07. Yeah, more fun than '08. Like the, there was the no truck. Jack Jones in '98. That that automatically Tur- no. no Jack Jones. Jack Jones. Worm burners. Jack turfing the ball.
0: So if people no. don't, remember, I don't, we'll, we, don't want to use all the good Jack material here. But if if you're tired of uh, Jason Hayward hitting ground balls to the second baseman, Jack did the the opposite. He threw ground balls the second one. <laughs> All right. So are we at four? Comparison. Did that four or was that all
1: five? I, no, did I, I, Don Wanger was fact five. I got I basically would rookie of the year, Sammy uh, MVP. Uh, Cubs played 163 games and, uh, of course, made the playoffs for the first. It, it ended a drought. And I, I referenced that last week when we did 2000, how miserable that season was and how it really felt to that point where it was about as bleak as it ever did because we had actually tasted some success. And, and by 2000, we did have 98. And I think 98 was so fun because nine years really – it was a long time because when you, you know you don't have any for thirty nine years and you go and then you go five years later it's just I think that it's kind of what made people a little more anxious in the nineties and you know get maybe more excited than we should have but uh, ninety eight pulled through at the end but <laughs> well I don't and, know if we should i mean go we've ahead.
0: done so we did we've done ninety six and ninety seven so and what we unearthed in ninety six was as bad as they started in ninety seven they finished every bit as bad in ninety six yep. So it was a very dark time. Yep. For, yeah. To be a Cub fan, and then to have this season come fly literally just fly yeah. out of nowhere and land in your lap.
1: Pretty much, because it's on. It's on the heels of that '97 season that long their first fourteen, that team obviously was a little bit better than that because they didn't lose hundred games. You you'd think you'd be on, on target for it, you know. It was Tappany's first year, and he didn't start till July because he was hurt. So he, he had a full season out of him. Had, there was some some optimism. I went to spring training that year with my dad, and got got to see Kerry Wood. So we were excited about Wood coming up. You know, he was the first pick of the McPhail era '95, and he blazed through the minors. And so, uh, you know, the optimism was real with him uh, heading in um it was also if we do it chronologically you know it was f- right before spring training when, when uh poor old Harry Carey uh slipped and smashed his head on a table in Arizona and uh and didn't recover um but I mean that's you know yeah going in though just 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 to just to kind of like you know in the in the context that you just provided Andy uh you're going to have optimism like you do any season. And, you know, usually kind of depends if you get off to a good start. Uh, they had some pieces, I guess. I mean, they brought Henry Rodriguez over. Sosa was coming off a tough year. He'd obviously make history. Uh, they still didn't really have center field. They they had Lance Johnson actually, who they got, you know, in the much discussed Brian McCray trade that we talked about. And Johnson, uh, just wasn't really healthy till the last half, but he was there when it counted. I think the Cubs had a piece together, Brant Brown in center for a while. um, you know um uh, shortstop on opening day was jeff blouser but jose hernandez took it over third base was the second year of gary or uh, kevin Ory. And that uh you know paved way for the riding corpse of Gary Gaetti. And uh, you know, we got a good year out of Morandini, you know, in one of the decent trades that Jim Lynch Jim uh, Ed Lynch made. He dealt uh, uh Doug Lanville, uh who's a decent prospect, I think, and I think he got two hundred hits for Philly. Got him for Morandini. Yeah. And um, of course, Grace at first and uh mm-hmm. you know they had service be on the plate. But you know uh, wood started the season in Iowa and um but I think they got off to pretty good. Side. I think for the second year in a row, they opened up in florida and they lost the first game again oh here we go again and it might have been even a blowout but then they, they took the next two games i think they went on a, kind of a little bit of a hot streak um they maybe went, swept the expos that weekend
0: yeah they went six in a row after losing the opener
1: yeah so and, you know it was four,
0: a four game sweep of the expos at home
1: yeah with rookie vlad guerrero we were heckling vlad on opening day and from right field that year the rare
0: uh, wrap around opening that was friday yeah, saturday friday, Sunday, friday monday. to
1: monday stoked because it was like my fourth opener in the first one of the day. you know normally it was like <laughs> I gotta pull myself out of bed the next morning um but yeah in 98 um it, it was weird because it was emotional you know we had all this sort of weird uh very we we're all very attached to Harry you know so of course opening day was all about him and then really Harry's presence loomed over the season as much as Sammy and Carrie, when you think about it um you know, they, they, they drew up the caricature of him. They unveiled it on opening day. Dutchy came out. They played the bagpipes. Um, and, you know, and I think Chip and Dutchy sang Take Me Out. Dutchie came, came Chip out yet. and looked at Chip and went, who are you? <laughs> we, I, 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 we didn't hate Chip until <laughs> we didn't really catch on to, like, what an empty vessel Chip was till probably Memorial Day, yeah, I think, we got an right?
0: early. We got an early look at uh, one of Chip's biggest faults. In the Carrywood Wood 20 strikeout game, he predicts the final pitch. Here comes the hook. He turned out to be right, but he didn't know. And it's not like he, you know, oh, I'm sure he saw is we know Chip's not savvy enough to have seen Sandy Martinez's sign. He just was, he just being Chip. I ah, 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 but It's a curveball.
1: Here comes the hook. He, he guessed right. I wonder how many uh, how many curveballs would through that day. Or if Stoney maybe wrote that down for him. <laughs> Here comes the. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it's in our heads. And I, that's actually a chip carry memory that doesn't drive me mad. Probably should now. and probably will not more than I think about it because. Uh, that that game probably deserved a better play-by-play. I mean, there's no probably about,
0: about it. Well, you mean the greatest pitch game in Cub history? It is the
1: greatest pitch game in, in and Cub like, history.
0: It's like the actually, it may does it. No, have, it a, might have great, the great, does it have the highest game score still?
1: I think so. But I, I even object, it's the greatest. It's the greatest baseball game in baseball history. I didn't mean to say Cubs It's man. the greatest. It, you nobody will ever convince it's, me. It's a, uh, and this is in effect. It was, a, appropriate.
0: it was a it was. A, it's a twenty strikeout, no walk or one walk. Uh, no walk. No walk. 20 strikeout, no walk, One, no hitter in reality.
1: You can look up Roger Clemens' 220. I've done this before. This is the case, and I, I get to put this on the record. It's 1998, so I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm going to do this. It's a little bit anecdotal, but I think it's hard to argue the fact that when you have 27 outs in a ball game, you're getting 20 out by yourself of the remaining seven outs. Uh, I don't think a ball – you could go through the game. I don't think – there, there's a fly out the center. I don't think a ball was hit more than 200 feet, so nobody's hitting it hard. The one hit was not hit hard. It, was, it could have been an error. In fact, I heard this for the first time. I don't know if it was Matt Clapp who tweeted this footage of the Astros broadcast of that game oh, when Jim a young – Jim Deshaies? Jim nailed that in real – so it's not just revisions to say Kevin R. or he should have been charged with an error. Uh, Jim Deshaies said something to the fact of, a kind of surprised that's not an error, especially with this kid on the mound.
0: Well, and it's uh, – let me put on my official score hat. Uh, that was an automatic. You give Ori an error, even if it's borderline, and then when the first hit of the game occurs, the first legit hit, then you consider uh, changing that back.
1: So you don't Bob box Ro- yourself
0: in by, by making the questionable one. It happened yeah. early enough in the game. I don't know. Was it Bob Rosenberg? I don't know who the well, – I thought
1: he did every game on both sides of town forever, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Um, but whoever
0: it was – Um. Probably was so early in the game. They're like, oh, it's it. And then it sat there sweating the rest of the game. Like, oh shit, I fucked this up. Like, yes, yes, you did.
1: It doesn't matter. in that I think most learned fans know that it's still the greatest game because, because that's a mitigating factor that you can take into account that it was a questionable call and it was not a hard hit ball and it definitely could have been played. Uh, And then the only other base runner, which I like to point out uh, was a hitch hit by a pitch. And do, do you know who the batter was? who got hit.
0: Um, I hope it was the Bige, but I don't think
1: Well, it was. And, it, and it was the Bige who oh, was aside, the from being, uh, aside from being, you yeah. know, yeah. Never got out the is the major league leader, and I, and I bring this up, you know, we can rip on him if you want to, but objectively he's the all-time leader in getting hit by a pitch. So that's, in my book, that's kind of something that should be considered, that um, aside from the seven outs, you have a cheap infield hit and a guy that knew how to get it in front of a, a, a pitch. He didn't walk anybody. It is the greatest baseball game ever pitched. Greatest nine-inning game ever pitched, but that's, you know, not his fault. Cubs scratched a couple off of Shane Reynolds that day. Reynolds, by the way, as you might know, got to uh, go arm-in-arm in the history books with Kerry Wood when he struck out 10 Cubs. So the 30 strikeouts is the most ever? Yes, it is. And then I want to say Wood, in his next start, then also got, like, Twelve or fourteen 13 strikeouts against the Reds. There you go. It was against the Reds. Okay. Um. Yeah. The
0: the so the the most impressive, not the most, but a very impressive part of this is the the Astros were were good.
1: A playoff team. Roger you know, Clemens. I mean, you had, his they uh, have a
0: lineup that had Craig Biggio pre-operation yeah. shutdown. Derek Bell. Jeff Bagwell. Mm-hmm. Moises Alou. Uh, oh, and Dave Clark. Don't forget. Former Cup, Dave Clark, future cup So that's a you know, and yeah. maybe it was former. That's pretty impressive.
1: No, uh, and that's another thing that if you want to bring up Roger Clemens, of course, as we all know, struck out twenty two separate times, ten years apart, eighty six and ninety six. I think wow. eighty six was against the Mariners. They sucked. Ninety six, uh, probably all roided up.
0: Actually, no, ninety six probably was, pre, was. That was pre. He was, was with the Red Sox again, right? He didn't. He didn't his, get didn't until he year. went to the Blue Jays. Yeah.
1: His last year in Boston was 96. One was against the Mariners. One was, uh, now I can't remember, Tigers, I think. Uh, But he had walks. I mean, they were great games. They're in the conversation. Um, Yeah, and those were two teams that sucked. Astros were good. They they ended up winning the playoffs, I mean, partially when they – Got Randy Johnson which we'll talk about later. Uh but they turned on the afterburners. They were a 100-win team. They weren't necessarily a 100-win team in May or projected to be, but they were a good team. They were they they were already division champions defending uh NL East or NL Central champions. They went to the playoffs in 97. So, yeah, good team. Kerry uh made them look like a bunch of fools. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they were a great team. So, uh Tappity was the opening day starter.
1: In Florida, he got rocked, didn't he?
0: He got rocked a lot, despite the fact <laughs> that he. Do you know? Do you remember how many games he won?
1: Nineteen, I believe. 19.
0: He was nineteen and nine with a four eighty five ERA. Try winning nineteen games by giving up two hundred and forty four hits
1: in two hundred nineteen innings. Well, yeah, I guess that offense. Uh, he struck
0: out one hundred and thirty six guys in two hundred nineteen innings. Wow! But he, but he won.
1: He somehow through, did. Uh, you know. It's it's not a it's not a team you think about being great offensively aside from Sosa or defensively. Um, so that's that's an interesting thing.
0: The Cubs I know through, you're not. the through five shutouts that year of the of the regular starting five, which would have been tapping,
1: five complete game shutouts. F-
0: yes, complete no. game shutouts as opposed they could, uh, six complete games and five shutouts individual. Okay, so every one of the starting pitchers threw a complete game. One of them did not throw a shutout. Was it? Um, Mark Clark, Steve Traxel, Kevin Tappany, or Jeremy Gonzalez.
1: Well, you've already given me Tappany. Uh, no, I was at Gonzalez's shutout. It was on a Sunday against, uh, the Dodgers the day after Kerry Woods major league debut. I want to say I was at both Kerry Woods debut and Gonzalez's, uh, the next day, which would have been early May. Uh, um, anyway, I'll answer the question because I, I feel like I have the urge to go through every Kerry Wood star because I was at like half of them. I'm gonna go with Mark Clark over Traxel.
0: Steve Traxel was the only one of the stars who did not throw a yeah. shot. Out. That's why Clarkie, it kind of jumped out at me.
1: It's like oh Clarky threw a shot. It was he an became, even numbered year, so Traxel was good. He was 15 and 8. He was, yep, yep. Yeah, you're right 94, 96, 98. Yep, Wood was the then, only
0: one of the starters whose ERA was better than 4.46. Wow, Tappany, okay. 485, Clark 484, Traxel 446, and Jeremy Gonzalez 532.
1: I wonder what's the uh, ERA? Is there going ERA plus? Because you got to remember too. Now this is really when the whole steroid thing was becoming more and more obvious, right? Yeah,
0: the, uh, one of the guys 96. was good. Kerry Wood 100, 129. The others Tappany, Clark, both 90. Traxel 98 and Jeremy 82. So they were so all they were still below, below average. They were all below Lee average or except for low
1: average. Okay.
0: Yeah, Kerry's numbers are a little ridiculous. 166 innings, only gave up 117 hits, struck out 233 guys in 166 innings.
1: Would um, you uh would you happen to recall where you were uh for his major league debut or do you happen to know where it was? It was in Montreal. Yes. And you might know you might remember where you were because it was a Sunday? It was a Easter Sunday. Was it Sunday. Easter? Yes. Yes, I was at my uh, brother-law's in house who um, too cheap to have cable at the time, and uh, musting with the rabbit ears, just cursing under my breath. I believe he struck out future cub Mark Redzelanik, uh to start, and uh, I think Mark O'Mara won the Masters that day. Jack Nicholas actually kind of rallied. Uh, I recall watching all that through the grainy TV, and then he made his major league debut that Saturday, and I and I got to, and then I had my tickets then, and he faced off against Hideki Noma. What, the thing I probably remember more than anything is that. Uh he hit a triple off of Nomo sliding into third base. The Cubs kind of rolled. But I I believe he struck out Piazza the first time he faced Piazza. And then uh he got lit up against the Dodgers on a Friday night when uh when the Bulls were being taken to overtime by the New Jersey Nets uh during their three peat. Piazza had a grand slam off him, really struggled. But the next start at Wrigley uh, was a Cardinals game. I went with Oleg and it was a Thursday night. It was one of those funny things where um yeah it was a rain delay and the game didn't start till nine. And so we're in the park already and we're drinking and we had seats kind of near home plate, you know, behind uh you know, behind the uh you know, in the terrace reserve. And as soon as the game starts, I'm trying to get a beer and I look around I'm like, Where the hell are the beer vendors? And like, Oh shit, the game started at nine o'clock. <laughs> no more beer sales like they cut him off 905 but i remember in that game he struck out mcguire two his first two times though. so so I, I just remember like I, I was fortunate i got to see him a lot of times that summer but uh but that start that start against the uh the, the cardinals and he won that one too so i got to see him go uh but the start the next start was that houston game
0: okay so it turns out i was wrong his the 13 strikeout follow-up to the 20 strikeout game was against the diamondbacks
1: I was going to guess that. You know and then why? The,
0: then the next game, he struck out eight more against the Reds.
1: So I somehow well, skipped one. You surprised me with the red when you said Reds because I was like the Diamondbacks was the same series, same homestand in which in which. Uh, the same way it was it was in Arizona though I think right the Diamondbacks game I believe it was
0: you're lucky I know that the Diamondbacks were
1: all right well I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna peel off of Kerry Wood for now maybe come back to it and go on to the next thing since it was against the Diamondbacks because my memory was Kerry's next start he, he becomes the guy that strikes out the most players in two games and in that same series Sammy Sosa finally got off the schneid and after uh after going I don't know how many at bats and home runs into his career without ever hitting a grand slam, he hit his first one in Arizona in that series. So
0: when he hit it, who then he had he was the major league leader in a bats without a grand slam.
1: I believe that's correct.
0: When he hit it, who took over for him?
1: Another Ooh, that's a great
0: qu- another I, vaunted I, I, slugger who then would go on to hit
1: more than one. Gary Sheffield Jeff Bagwell. Oh, interesting. Okay. And Bagwell snapped his tree. Yeah, because for a while, it was always like, oh, Sosa's always, especially at Wrigley, which, of course, leads me to my biggest uh, sort of uh, missed memory was that Sosa, uh, well, well first of all, make, he hit.
0: It's, wait a minute. The stat is most homers without a grand slam, right? So you have to be a good player because you have to have a lot of home runs. Right. You right. just haven't managed to hit one with the bases loaded.
1: Yes. Most home runs, active players too. I don't even, I don't know that it was all time. I don't think that it was, uh, all time was,
0: uh, uh, probably Dwayne Kuyper, right?
1: No, (laughs) I mean, he hit a home run. He's not the active leader with one, but not the most home runs. Everybody hit one, but Kuyper. And and so he leads. Mick Keller never hit one though. So where does he, uh, where does Mick fit, you know, fit in? And he, well, you you got to hit one to qualify. Oh, okay. but right. So I thought it was the most home runs. Without no, I a think
0: game it's game for, right. Sammy, um, Sam, he had the most home runs of any active player without a grand slam. And then he yes. finally he hit one. And that game has been on fucking Cubs net. Do you remember the, or on the U? Because I remember I, remember I a,
1: listened to it. Okay. Because I couldn't oh, watch it. Oh, you know what? Okay, one of the last Harry Carey memories that we'll have before he slammed his head on the table and died, and we all you know went to his wake was. Now
0: you make it sound like he committed suicide. <laughs> now <laughs> I know he was. He, was I'm sure approved. Dutchie was like, "Oh, you get to work with your grandson this year," and he's like, "Oh, fuck." <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't <laughs> think he like I, literally I, I, just I, hit his head uh, on the table. To right. End at
1: all. I, like I know I'm not able to drink myself to death. I wouldn't blamed him. You.
0: I'm going to have to take
1: a more crucial or more yeah, more uh, uh, violent uh, route. But in the offseason, I remember this. And a guy like T.J. Brown, I'm sure, can back me up. But from 1997 to 1998, WGN had made the decision. They were in the throes of the WB network. And they uh, were, were blocking off weeknights yeah, you gotta, to put on some of their program. you got to show Dawson's Creek. Well, the, but the show in which Harry Carey glommed onto was Buffy the Vampire Slayer because Harry was quoted. You could probably find this something like, well, I know she's better looking than me, but I don't understand how the people can't see the Cubs play. So. I mean, and they had, they had kind of been prepping for that. I think when they had rolled out CLTV for those of us in the only in the Chicago area in 1993, which a, a Tribune-owned cable station Cubs games they would replay Cubs games at nights, and then uh, so it would occasionally have games on them. But it, as as WGN became more of a sort of a quasi national broadcast network, uh, the Cubs were a little bit victimized, and Harry was very outraged by that. And, uh, and took to uh, complaining about it. And that was really, honestly, the, uh, the last that we really would have heard of Harry because it was in the offseason. But that was the, the upshot of it, is it, it. It corresponds with your memory, Andy. That all, so for the first time, really, in your life, this is pre-cable. This is long before the whole CSN, Chicago, Fox News, whatever you want to call it, Comcast. Every game was on GN. If it wasn't on yeah. national TV or, you know, once in a while, you might have a blackout, you know, somehow. But
0: Just like uh, how now. They're all on everybody's favorite, the Marquee Network. Oh you can just lock that. You can burn that thing right into your TV because there's no reason to watch anything but Marquee 365 oh, days God. a year. By the way, the Pointless Exercise podcast brought to you by the Marquee Sports Network. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Crane Kenny with Crane his and hat I, in Crane his and hand.
0: I worked out. A, yeah, Crane came <laughs> and was like, ah, it Is, it is, hat is in there his any hand. way we can work on a sponsorship with you? And I'm like, you know what, Crane, go fuck yourself.
1: Can you guys go nice?
0: But then went, you know me. what? Fine.
1: <sighs> yeah, I can't find reference by the way to Harry the v- or Sarah so, Michelle Geller or or what. But Harry had some comical and probably problematic, I'm guessing by today's standards, uh, comments that were published. Uh, but unfortunately, we did not. Uh, Harry did not uh, live to uh, see this new hybrid TV programming. And, like you say, uh, and probably because of uh, the opportunity to work with his grandson.
0: HB4. So, you're right. So, Sammy had, had hit 247 home runs. It's a lot. out a Grand Slam.
1: It's probably close to all time, I bet. Because, you know, by 1998, there was it really, it's,
0: it's the record. And Bagwell is number two.
1: So Bagwell didn't pass him, but became the leader when Sosa finally homered. Yeah. It, it, Which,
0: Bagwell got to 217. Also it was in the close. Top, also in the top five, Glenn Davis. Oh, wow. And two former White Sox.
1: Two former White Sox? Yep. Is Harold one of them?
0: Harold is not one. Harold must actually... Harold was loud, He was lousy with a grand slant. Hit him all the time.
1: Carlton Fisk? Three, four a week. Ron Kittle?
0: Ron Kittle, 176. Oh. And then a uh, former, uh, he played for a lot of teams, played for the Braves, he was an outfielder. Uh, one of my dad's favorite signs of all time got unfurled in the, oh, in the, Claude L- park. yes, Claudel Claude Washington. Washington. Yes, um, Fan unfurled, Claudel was a notoriously inattentive defender and unfurled a sign that said Washington, Claude L. Washington slept here.
1: I'm gonna that, I'm gonna go with your dad's memory there. I also remember hearing or uh, Jimmy Piersall uh, either talking about that sign or saying they should bring a sign saying that. Well, so. Jimmy
0: said they should have brought one. Somebody would have brought one. So either way, I'm thinking maybe that sign I'm existed. <laughs> yes, he requested it, and it became. Yeah, a thing.
1: we have you. You and I, of course, remember Claude. I vaguely remember him as a White sock, but obviously he was sort of like the uh, the guy in the Braves that. You know, whenever they came through the town in the early '80s, I believe Claudel was the guy who hit the ball that Ferris Bueller caught. By the way. I might be wrong, but you can go back and look at the film case. Okay,
0: so Sammy hits a Grand Slam. How long did it take Sammy? How many games did Sammy take before he hit his second one?
1: Screw games. How many hours? 22, 23? Yeah, one the very next day. And then he hit a third one in September of that year in a big series in San Diego and the Cubs took three or four from the eventual World Series entry. The Cubs actually funny to think they would take three or four from the Padres when they you know, otherwise crapped the tub, but he had his third. So he got three that season. And he ended up having a healthy amount of grand slams. And then, of course, it led me down some sort of a weird, uh, black, repressed memory or just refusal to admit reality where uh, I would have sworn at one point he'd never hit a homer at Wrigley, but actually his final uh, grand slam, one, f- one of his final home runs, actually, really saved the drama for the end. he finally hit a home run uh, at Wrigley Field. So, what grand uh, slam. Any grand slam, or grand slam, I mean, a uh, uh, grand slam. However many grand slams Sammy hit... Uh, between that night in May and Kerry Woods' subsequent start to his 20 strikeout game and the end of his career, which is like, I want to say it was about 10 or 11.
0: So uh, that's, he, that series he, late in the year against the Padres, Sammy's home run was not the most famous home run
1: from that series. Okay, the Grand Slam was not the most famous home run from that series.
0: No, because the Padres came, brought in, started playing Hell's Bells, and Trevor Hoffman came in and was going to put a nail in the Cubs' coffin. And the
1: rat they got to Hoffman.
0: Gary Gaetti yeah. hit a game winner uh, off of off of Trevor Hoffman.
1: It was it must have been a lead changing uh, game winner. Yeah.
0: Yes, it wasn't a. Walk-off. He had a two run in a- San Diego. You can't. You don't get to. Walk off on the road.
1: I this is why I love doing the show with you because like is that I had completely forgotten all about that. And even right now it doesn't immediately come back, but it's starting to one of the few times they even got to Trevor Hoffman. Um that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, guy, uh the scrappy. Um when you say the Hells Bells, I have to bring this up now because this was Chip Carry's first year. Real quick disclaimer, last week we did two thousand. Uh, I don't want to get this out of the way. Number one, uh, you posted the video of Glenn Allen Hill's Homer. Uh, I regretted that we didn't talk about it. Yeah, I'd I want to talk about, about that about for
0: a minute. I should have done this at the top. I don't regret that. We're not going to remember everything, and if you already remember it, then screw you. You already remember it. I'm not. We're not going to sit here at the beginning of all these and go through all the things we missed. Start your own right. fucking podcast if you want to talk about Glen Allen Hill, all steroided up, hitting one onto the roof. That's great. Well, that, I that
1: only regret about but. But when you posted the video, though, I appreciate that you included it because the key part of that was how, uh, I don't know, obtuse ship yeah, was. Chip he, was like, it's be the sh-. he ruined that home run, right? But let me just tell you, when you say Hells Bells. So I, I bring that up just because it was also another, since we already did 2000, and Glenn Allen Hill was on the 98 Cubs also. Uh, he did hit the home run. Chip made an ass out of himself. But there was a time, and, and it was not in 98, but I want to bring it up now because you brought up San Diego and Hells Bells. But uh, Bob Dernier. Uh, former 84 Cub uh, center fielder, leadoff man, was in the booth for some reason when uh, Stoney or whomever wasn't, uh, wasn't around. Uh, so and anyway, this was Stoney pro- had
0: the lung fungus. No
1: I, the no, I think it was temporary. No, I think it was temporary. Which, you know, one other correction, by the way, I think Joe Carter and Dave Otto did Cubs games in 01 and 02, not 2001, and 01, because Stoney was on that Kerry Wood uh, comeback game in 2000. But anyway, Dernier was just subbing for like three days, like Randy Hundley would do sometimes. All right. Oh, yeah. So for some reason, for some, for some reason, they had Bob Dunier. and they were like talking about places they didn't like to play, whatever, like Chip is like overly emoting and he's just like being that sort of soulless, like vampire, like, Hey, Bob, where's some place? You know, and Bob's like, rattling. I goes, well, one place I really don't care for is San Diego, right? Which is an. Like an obvious reference that even if you weren't alive in 1984, what he's talking right immediately, Mr. Stimulus responds to me, who just figures he has to say something to fill the air. Starts laughing after Bob Durner says San Diego, and he goes, ah, "I know what you mean." They start playing Hell's Bells, and Trevor Hoffman comes out of the bullpen, and and it's like, <laughs> like no moron. Bob Durner never even played in the league at the same time as Trevor Hoffman. You know, you're talking about the '84 playoffs, you putz. So
0: okay, the so, this, uh, so the, the, the uh, Gaetti Homer off of Trevor Hoffman Was on the uh, 17th of September The final game of that series the, It was tied in the 8th And uh, Randy Myers was pitching for the Padres Randy was setting up for
1: Trevor Former Cub at this time yep. and It's kind of on the backside of his career
0: Lance Johnson led off the 8th It was tied, tied to 2 Lance led off with a single um, Mordini popped out Myers walked Sammy. So there's runners are first and second. Mark Grace with a base hit gives the Cubs the lead. Everybody's excited. They're going gooey. Cubs Mm -hmm. are going to win this game. Um, Matt Karchner jogs out to pitch the bottom of the eighth. Big trade deadline acquisition. I'm remembering this now. Gives up a long, pulled home run to Tony Gwynn. Gives the lead right back.
1: Almost shades of that Ozzie Smith dagger in 96.
0: Okay. So then, the game goes to extras, and finally, um, Bruce Bochy, right? He would have been the Padre manager at the time in '98. He would have, yep. He brought in Trevor, and he was rudely met by Gaetti, who homered to deep left. It was a bomb, and uh, gave the Cubs a four to three lead. Shooter came in for the save, made it easy for himself, like you would expect. Gave it a bleed-off hit to Tony Gwynn. James Mouton pinch ran for Tony. He struck out Greg Vaughn. Mouton stole second with Caminiti up. Caminiti walked. <laughs> so first and second. Got Wally Joyner to ground out to short. And then Carlos Hernandez grounded out to... Um, well, this ball must have bounced off of Beck because it went ground hit out. off his
1: ass. Wait, yep. this was a day game, right? Yeah. Was this the fourth game of the series?
0: Yep. Pitcher to short the, to first.
1: The ball, it was It was almost, God, I never, th- I never like drew the connection and P. before. Like Rose? I, I never thought about that before. I, I must have. I must have thought about it at the time. The ball hit off of Rod Beck's fat ass. Thank God he had a fat ass. Rod, Rod Beck, rest in peace, by the way. My favorite quote, which I actually tweeted a couple weeks ago when Beck was cited, was uh, whether or not baseball players were athletes, uh, Beck famously you know, it was, you know, indulgent uh, remark that nobody, I never heard of anybody going on the disabled list for pull fat. So he himself would own up to it that his fat ass bounced that ball to uh, who'd you say, Morandini? To end the game, I remember that now. Now I remember that. That's exciting, and that, that, they took the they took the series three out of four. Went to um,
0: shortstop, so it must have been the great a shortstop Jose Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and and then that was for their high point of the season, really. We'll get into that. I want to go back, though, before we go into uh, Yeah, we all of a sudden
0: jumped ahead to September because I
1: thought— It's cool. No, I mean, we might forget it otherwise. You know, it's a little bit of stream of consciousness here. But you met, first of all, you mentioned uh, uh, Lance Johnson. So I just want to say, yes, Johnson was acquired— and that trade that we talked about extensively in 1997, one of the most bizarre post-deadline trades the, the previous season, the Cubs also got Mark Clark um, and uh, Manny Alexander. They, they had surrendered uh, you know, Brian McCrae and Turk Wendell. Uh, they may have gotten another player, but anyway, Johnson was their leadoff hitter. He was a former uh, White Sox, another guy who had a nickname that Hall Carlson coined, the all One right. Dog, like the Big Hurt. Uh, Johnson was not really helped. What I remember about center field, though, uh, you know, because Johnson was always a pretty good player. Didn't you point out one year he batted like three thirty six? You uh, did yeah, cause I, th- crazy. I thought
0: it was Ho- I thought it was Hojo.
1: Oh Hojo, that's right. in ninety six. Because
0: all it said was Johnson's Mets, so, right. and Lance I immediately Johnson thought of Howard, off, but it was Lance. Yeah.
1: They had coming off. That was 96. He was coming off a, uh, you know, batting average. Of course, I'm sure he had a ridiculous bat. But uh, what I remember, and uh, this is really bizarre, but for a while, Johnson was out. And you know who their regular center fielder was in the early summer? Brant Brown. Yeah. And even more bizarre is that Brant Brown hit not one, not two. But three walk off home runs on every Friday afternoon. Every Friday was Brant Brown walk off home run day. It was it was two in a row, and then like three out of like seven. One of them was a the White Sox game in '98. Mm. That leads me to another memory. If I if I can indulge, um, I just want to I just want to point this one out because it's one of those proud moments in heckling. Uh, 1998, the Sox uh, interleague series. Jerry Manuel's in his first year. The Sox were not that good. Cubs were actually, when they when the, when the Sox came to town, the Cubs were in the throws. They had already won, I think, about seven or eight games in a row. And this was the first ever Cubs-Sox game at Wrigley Field, first Sox series. Because the year before, you remember, in the first two years, of interleague play, the Cubs and the Sox only played one three-game series. And when Uncle Jerry saw what was going on on the north side and saw the prospect of the only three games coming back to the yeah. south side the next year when he had to sell a bunch of tickets to Cubs fans, otherwise his park wouldn't fill, uh, he's like, no, I want that. I want six every year. And that's how it's been ever since. But 98, there was only one season, and they were all at Wrigley, and the Cubs were playing well. And the Friday game was bonkers. Uh, It was bonkers on the field. It was bonkers in the bleachers where we were sitting. Half the guys I was with got kicked out. Uh, I managed to stick around. But um, that game, um, well, in in the the first game, I think, was one where one of the Cubs savvily uh, had had gotten the ground rule double. The Sox almost came back and uh, uh, and tied the game late. Um, But in that game, Grant Brown hit a walk off. The Cubs won the next two days. It was just you know, and then that's when they went to Minnesota. And I was like a deadhead. Me and my buddies followed them with my "We Got Wood" T-shirt uh, uh, and, and saw you know saw the saw the winning streak finally come to an end in Minnesota. But they, they were hot. It was kind of fun sweeping the. Side. It was it actually it was more it was incredible when you think about it, especially at my age from, or our age from that perspective. I went to all three games. and you know, I think it was in the bleachers all three games, and. um, And uh, you know, Wood didn't pitch in the in the Sox series, but the Cubs kicked their ass, and it was uh, it was beautiful. And they're in the midst of a winning streak. So, uh, thank you for that, fellas. But Brown won that with a walk off, and then he won another one. I think the next week, or he won a Braves game. I think uh, the week before with a walk off, and then. But the Sox series was uh, that 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 there were so many. Like I said, so many fun moments for a team that's, uh, you know, otherwise not really that, uh, you know, <laughs> that historic. But locally, they were local heroes, let me tell you.
0: Yeah, Brown had been one of the, uh, when we had nothing else to hope for, they'd be like, oh, look at these good young players. And everybody said, well, he's going to be yeah. blocked because he's a first baseman and Mark Grace is playing for the Cubs. Um, yep. So they just started yep. playing him in the outfield to basically get his um, – did he come up? And grace got hurt. I think that may yeah. Have in ninety
1: six, in ninety six, he yeah. came up. He hit three homers in a, like a three game, like a double header. Or so then they're like,
0: like, all right, that. we got to find a way for this dude to actually play for us. Yeah. and that's how they well. Were it. And he was a good athlete. Well, he was I don't remember him fast. being.
1: A, I don't remember him being a poor center fielder. And, and by the way, I have to circle back because I went into that Sox series and, and lost my thread uh, in heckling moments. I have to tell you, that oh, the yes. White Sox, of course, uh, had had Albert Bell in, in left field, and and you know, and I'm first row left field. Um, in case anyone wants to fill in the blanks. But uh and Prime since probably nine you o'clock. I was sitting that, with Al that <laughs> I was not sitting. I think else actually and it's sad that I know I think he sat in right field before the pre configured bleachers of two thousand six, but uh with his tomato inning um, and whatnot. No, but I was we were in left field and probably had been going at it for a good four or five hours. Like I said, half the guys I was with ended up getting booted um it was kind of not it was you know it was kind of nuts and some of the people in our group were Sox fans too so it wasn't you know whatever but uh Albert Bell was in his second year at the White Sox and now you might remember Albert Bell great player great hitter one of the few guys I think that at one point had uh at one season had 100 extra base hits which is very rare if you think about it um he uh he had a drinking problem for starters I And I know these were less sensitive times. I don't think I mocked him for that. Mocked him for something else, though, and and kind of tied it in with another thing. When he was drinking and when he came up, he went by the name Joey. He was Joey Bell. You might remember that, right? I have
0: have a friend named Joe Bell, and he uh, jokingly (laughs) wanted us to call him Albert.
1: And so Joey, uh, I think in order to kind of help his recovery, God bless him, uh, and maybe not associate himself with that, went to his birth name of Albert. He wanted to be known as Albert Bell. Also, around the time the Indians had gone to the World Series, they went in 95. Uh, they also went in 97, but Albert was gone. He, was, he wasn't on the 97 team. So it was around 95, 96. I think it was af- in 95, after that World Series, that Albert lived in Ohio, you know, Cleveland suburb. And apparently uh, some, rep, some rep scallions caused a little bit of trouble around his house. It was Albert, Halloween, right? Halloween. That's right. Right. There's the content. They're trick-or-treating. And, I don't know, caused some sort of trouble that compelled Albert to sort of jump in his car and, I don't know, try to run him over or something. Like, he thought so. –
0: it to, it to, all right, I'm going to defend Albert here. He thought they were Fernando Vina, and they were just standing between first and second base. And he had to just nudge them out yes. of the way into shallow right field.
1: So it's not every day where you, ha- where you have such a tailor-made heckle, where you don't really have to think about being too clever. I've always prided myself in a well-constructed – it's not, you suck, like that's – unimaginative you try to you know, if you don't know anything about some kid you find out where their triple-a affiliate is you're going back to albuquerque ashley or whatever you know you just you're mixing it up albert bell though was served on a platter this is what it was pretty much the whole game hey joey trick-or-treat joey for half the, And the funny thing was henry rodriguez his first year as a cub we got and some I'm, gonna give out, I'm, I'm gonna give albert bell some credit here in this game yeah, i'm pretty sure homered Oh, I'm going to look it up. He did something that merited the O. Henry bars because people would throw O'Henry Henry bars onto the field. I think it was actually a tradition that began in Montreal the year before that uh, Wrigley Field fans co-opted.
0: Well, no, those were different. That <laughs> was where O. Henry bars.
1: There's an I at the end.
0: <laughs> um, um, it was completely different, but very unique.
1: And so it's kind of a coincidence that I'm heckling Joey for about trick-or-treat, and I'm calling him Joey, uh, but H-Rod uh, H- Wet Yard and the, and the O. Henry Bars came raining down. And to his credit, i got to give Albert credit here, he picked one up, just started eating it while he was playing left field. So good for him. And, you know, I mean, I'm just some 26-year-old asshole that's been drinking since the morning that's giving him shit, but um, thanks, uh, thanks Albert, you, for giving me a memory uh, of a lifetime. You
0: yell at the first time he'd ever been heckled. <laughs> so he, right. I really, it was amazing, great. And impressive. I'm
1: sure, yeah, I'm sure I was proud of myself, but I'm sure <laughs> it was very tame compared to some of the heckles that Joey would get in some other places. But so now the know.
0: game I went to as a kid, where I got, where I got the Tim Tuffle uh, ball. Uh, oh yeah, the Cubs ended up coming back. The Cubs were losing. The Cubs ended up winning that game, and in no small part to the fact that Daryl Strawberry completely misplayed a fly ball. Well,
1: Oh yeah. And
0: I, as a kid got the Daryl chant started and I was very nice. proud of myself because I started doing it and then my buddy started doing it and then like, people are like, Oh yes. And this was, again, we weren't the first ones to do it, but no, um, it, it took began over dad was yeah. very proud.
1: Yeah. 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 No, great moments in, uh, in fan heckling, but that, um, that, that's what I wanted to reference there, uh, with, uh, with that Cubs socks series. But yeah, that, I mean, the Cubs were hot there and, um, you know that at that point, you know again. Picture the, the the mood of the fan base, right? It's been nine years. You know we're getting a little bit desperate again. We got excited over a ninety-two team that was two games under five hundred in late July. It's like this actually feels like this. You know, I mean, and it was early June, so so that was when Sosa started hitting bombs, right? He hit twenty that month, and would yeah uh, twenty
0: still a major league record one that Kyle Schwarber
1: did he hit four tonight. No, but is he that close? Because Car- yeah, Schwarber didn't hit his first till June 12th, I read. He ended up 16, I think, right? Yeah, I think the record, too, had been – eight. Sammy smashed the record. It had been like 18. Like he did one better than – or 17 or 18. I think he did one or two better um, than he needed to.
0: Yeah, it was um, – I think Ivan Jesus
1: had the old record of 18. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I think it's it. Right. Remember that, remember we'll that June of 77. We'll call for it. I think make. that's right. It's so here's
0: line. Okay, so that White Sox series, when the Cubs <laughs> swept, do you know how many games in a row that made when they swept? They I'm gonna went, say They would win or, one more.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say eight or nine. I think they had a 10-game winning streak that ended Minnesota.
0: That was 10 games. So, yeah, that was, that was seven, eight, and nine of that streak. Hmm. Uh, they went from four games behind the Astros. They tied it with that first win against the White Sox. And then the Astros didn't lose. So <laughs> they were just stayed yeah. because I'm sure we we're all excited to watch them raise the flag, you know, put the Cub flag in first. <laughs> the Astros were like, no, fuck that. Right. We're not letting which, you do that.
1: <laughs> which which probably hadn't been done in June since Yeah, here's uh, how tough it was. So
0: they lost they won the first game in Minnesota and then lost the next two. They were two games out.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how quick the Cub fans think they got whiplash this week. Uh, what's happening then? Yeah, so you were talking about how the high water mark was in that game in San Diego, and it was they were twenty games over five hundred. Do you know how many games out of first place they were?
1: No, ten. Well, and that gives us a perfect segue. Eighty-seven
0: and sixty-seven, and they're ten games out.
1: And that gives us a perfect segue to the uh, to to Ed Lynch and the deadline deal. Oh God! Um, well, no, okay,
0: yeah, we got a whole deadline deal.
1: We got a whole right? Ed
0: Lynch thing here. So, we've hinted,
1: we've talked about this before obliquely.
0: There were so, there were, he had two chances during that season to put the stamp on the, to make a huge move. The first one was, out of nowhere, the Marlins traded for Mike Piazza. They were just trying In to ditch summer. salary, and it was right before Memorial Day, and they made the trade, and they coughed up uh, Gary Sheffield and... By Bonilla, right? Just to get rid of their money, they sent them yep. off to. For for and like three days. They took Piazza like, with. And they had no intention. They literally wanted to trade Piazza. Before,
1: Piazza did play for like five games at the Marlins, right? Piazza he, played, he one, did play one, for played the, one game. Just, oh, just one,
0: They right. literally wanted to trade him before the first of the month, so they didn't have to pay him. That's and how quickly the, uh, they wanted to turn this around.
1: And, and kids at home, we're talking about the defending world champions.
0: So there were all these rumors about the the Cubs. The Cubs had this huge hole. Um, well,
1: Service was their catcher.
0: They had this huge hole of catcher forever, and this was a chance. Well, really, the hole was not in their, The hole was in their lineup. They didn't really right. have. They didn't no, have a sure, deep enough lineup. The Service was, a was to get, fine. Right.
1: They had too many weak. Too much weak shit everywhere else. Yeah.
0: So the, it was all right. We're going to grab the Bullpup inexplicably good. hmm We're going to grab the Bull by the horns. We're going to trade for my piazza.
1: Do you recall that trade, uh, who the Dodgers and then subsequently the Mets? Well, the, I mean, would the Mets have given up? Because I'm, I'm just – was it anybody that was of any value at the time, I guess, is, is what I'm wondering. Like, did, did, Do you know for a fact basically that Lynch sat on the sidelines or was he outgunned or did he not even – you know what I mean?
0: No, the Cubs were the Cubs were in deep – Talks with the okay. Marlins. In fact, here's how sad it was. Later in the year, when they started talking names for a relief pitcher, they started kicking around the same guys. Um, but one of the things was the um, the Marlins wanted uh, the Marlins wanted a catcher because they traded Charles Johnson in the trade um, to get Piazza in the first place.
1: Yes. They you traded they tra- It was Todd Zeal, our friend Todd yeah. Zeal, who uh, had once been traded to the Cubs, from Mike Morgan, uh, to the Marlins. So it's just Todd Zeal. The Dodgers just trade Todd Zeal for the, for uh, Manuel Berrios, Bobby Bonilla, Jim Eisenreich. Well, Zeal and, and obviously Piazza. My bad. Zeal and Piazza for well, Manuel Berrios, Bobby Bonilla, Jim Eisenreich, Charles Johnson, and Gary Sheffield. That's a shitload. So,
0: so they're just dumping seven. They had just won the World Series, and now it's May 14th. And they're like, um, you know, we got to get rid of this guy. Maybe he did play. I was say he played one game. You're right. He might have played five because he was there a week.
1: He was there for like a weekend. I remember. It was weird, and then he was gone. But they got. I mean, in fairness to Ed Lynch, which I'm not inclined to do. I mean, the, 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 the,
0: so the Cubs, well, the Cub trade. The, the, so the trade then that got, um, they got the the Mets swooped in kind of out of nowhere because they oh, had Todd right. Hundley. But Todd Hundley had gotten hurt.
1: That's where the Cubs. I'm sorry, you're right. That's the Cubs should. The Cubs are primed to step in when Piazza was in this way station. Right. Is what you're saying?
0: I and so you. the names that were kicked around were great prospects, like well, Brant Brown's name was in it. And I'm sure we would have been like, oh my god, we can't get rid of Brant Brown. He just
1: did walk offs every
0: yes. week. Do <laughs> you remember Pat Klein? That was, was, that was the catcher. That was the guy that was going to get it. He was carrying the, with caddy. And the Marlins kept insisting that they had to get a catcher because they needed a catcher because they had gotten rid of Charles Johnson. And then there were, um, like, you, this won't also shock you, Todd Noel. His name was in the trade. So was John Who Garland. Was
1: a first-round draft pick, also a first-round draft pick.
0: Yes. So those were the names in it. And, at, and out of nowhere, the Mets swooped in with a trade that did not have a catcher in it. It was Preston Wilson, Mookie's nephew. Right? Yep. Good player. Pitcher Ed Yarnall, who the Marlins thought was gonna be, you know, something great. And then Jeff uh, Bernard Getz's son, Jeff. Um and so that was over. And all of a sudden Piazza was a Met. And the the, the real panic about that was the Mets looked like a prime uh were gonna be a wild card contender. Yeah. So not only were the Cubs not only did the Cubs not get Piazza, but now one of the teams they were gonna to have to because you know, at the time, it's like, well, we could still win the division, but I think we all knew the Astros
1: were really good. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Not only that, but now the Mets are better. Yeah. And
1: and the scared. Mets were one of the teams that the Cubs had to fend off or or suck less than uh, in September. Yeah, the Mets were in it until the very last, they were, last they were They were They pissed away a couple games against the Expos, I remember, when the Cubs were in Milwaukee. So the Piazza trade was in May. And that was the other um, thing. You were going to get him for... The whole season, basically, it was amazing. Yes. You're
0: gonna get this. You're gonna get this trade deadline trade two months or two and a half months early. Okay, so then you whiff on that, but then uh, Randy Johnson all of a sudden becomes available because the Mariners are in the midst of uh, making sure they never have all their Hall of Famers in their prime at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Savvy strategy. Where Lou Pinella's up there going, what the, "What the hell's going on around here?" <laughs>
1: We got Jamie Moyer now. What do you mean, Lou? He's turned it around. He's having a renaissance.
0: What I remember about the Randy Johnson one was I remember feeling like the Cubs just literally didn't have enough to offer. Maybe. And that just well, wasn't going to yeah. happen. But we wanted because it, it was, you know, it's like, oh my God, and Randy was, Johnson and Kerry Wood on the same staff.
1: Uh huh. 100%. And that was more memorable. That was seems like a more memorable way. Like I, I don't have as much recall of the Piazza deal as John. Johnson was the one that they needed, right? Because we already right. talked about. You yeah, know, the was had, good after Wood, and and then the thing about it is not only did they not get him, and you mentioned it with the Mets, but this was even more uh, more pronounced. Is that he went to their division rival, who were probably a game or two up at the time. I'm not sure, but uh, the, it, like it went textbook after that deal. Johnson just fucking went off. What's you know what he did for most of his career? It's why he's one of the greatest pitchers we ever saw. Um, and he was going to be a free agent. The Astros knew that there, it was a one and done. You know, he went to Arizona after that season, but you know, and they didn't. It didn't work for them in that they didn't go to the World Series. But it certainly worked for them after that. Chase. He couldn't have done any more for right. them, for Christ's sake.
0: Yeah, so he gets traded for a player named later, which ended up being John Halama. Jesus. But, but Freddie Garcia and okay, Carlos, yeah. and Carlos Guillen. It was a really yeah. good trade.
1: The, this, the, Mariners, the Mariners got something. Yeah, it set them if, up when if, they got Ichiro and they lost yeah. Arod. But yeah they
0: had to it was july thirty first they knew Randy was leaving, and they had to get something for him and they did they got Freddie won i don't know hundred and eighty games for them, something like that but he wasn't Randy Johnson, but they weren't gonna have Randy Johnson so yeah yeah, yeah so Randy so, goes i don't know if this i don't know if this really worked out for the Astros or not he he made eleven starts he only won ten of them he lost one and the z r a uh, 1.28. Yeah, in 84 yeah. innings, he gave up 57 yeah. hits. He struck out 116 guys in 84 <laughs> innings yeah. and walked 26. His yeah. ERA plus. Now we talked about that. How the Cubs Wood led the starters with 129. One Nobody else was over yeah. 100. Randy's ERA plus for
1: just the Houston just portion. For the
0: Houston portion of it was 322. So if league average is a hundred, <laughs> wow!
1: Yeah, I went to a game where he pitched against. I think he, he may have pitched against Wood. No, I don't. That he didn't because I, I rarely saw Wood lose. But I did go to a game, and it was just dreadful. Uh, even though the Cubs are good, it was a real damper in an otherwise great season. And he just continued to shove it up their hiney. Uh And then what I think what made it frustrating then too was that what the Cubs needed was him. Or a great starter. Yeah. And I always kind of had this impression that, like, coming up short, Ed Lynch just panicked. Well, well, I got to trade somebody for something. And then he turned around after the Cubs failed to get Randy Johnson, and he still gave up. Todd Noel proved to be nothing. John Garland did not have, like, a great career, although he did contribute to a World World Series championship.
0: Yeah, and he would have been the Cubs' second or third best starter for the next like eight years which is they gave, been good they enough. basically gave him away
1: right and and so it's not even that they gave up really any prospects that were regrettable it was just like why even do it because all they got out of that was matt karchner who as you already pointed out came in to blow a lead on uh, felix heredia who always seemed to just you know uh make you ang- angsty and the run fairy the run fairy. He just came in and sprinkled runs for the other team. <laughs> was nice. All right, they used to get so excited, like when you'd hear the 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 uh, P, the uh, the soundtrack from the stinger uh, the Entertainer, when the ice cream man would come through your neighborhood. They would say, "There he is, mom! Give me some money for the yeah, run there fairy. was Literally,
0: a fight at the bat rack every time Felix warmed up. <laughs> so,
1: and it's yeah. They,
0: so not only, but there's so, there's so many weird things about the trades. So you're right; they find out like mid-morning that Rand, they're not getting Randy. And uh, they didn't really have a decent shot. I don't know if they could even, who could they have given that was the equivalent of Freddie Garcia?
1: They didn't have you already mentioned. You Harry already Wood. mentioned Pat Klein. Could have trade Kerry
0: Wood to get Randy Johnson? Kerry <laughs> was probably on the DL by then, was he? No, it was probably in no, uh,
1: no, yeah, he didn't go on the DL from his first start until they shut him down. Yeah, yeah. No, he made every start. Uh,
0: the future rights then. to Mark Pryor. That's what they could have given up. <sighs> Yeah. Like we're gonna get in a couple of years, we're gonna draft Mark Pryor. you can have it. Um Yeah. So then yeah, you're right. So then Lynch is like, shit, I gotta do something. And if we can't fix our rotation, we're just gonna we're gonna just have a super bullpen. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna get the nasty boys of nineteen ninety eight and we're gonna get uh Mark Karchner and <laughs> Matt Karchner <laughs> Matt Karchner. See, I don't even we should have got Mark. That would have been whatever Matt Karchner Mark. and okay. Felix Horadia and Andy McPhail was pissed. He was literally said even in fact, I believe you can dig up a quote like during that season where he says, I feel I felt like we sh- we shouldn't have made those trades. You were his wow. boss. You could say no. But he's like, yeah. oh, no, he's the GM. He's in charge. We're going to let him make the call. I didn't agree well, with it, but he went ahead and did it. It's like pro- terrible trades. And then the pitchers were terrible.
1: They probably couldn't make another hire. They probably couldn't afford it on the pay. They probably didn't have that flexibility. Just had to live with it.
0: Why no, you just say, no, don't make the trade. We'll go with what we got. Because Karchner pitched in 29 games for the Cubs, so a lot the rest of the way, ERA 5.14. <sighs> the Run Fairy pitched in, where is Felix? He pitched in 30 games, ERA 4.08. So you didn't even get yeah. you didn't yeah. you got mediocrity well, and less. In so those two traits
1: what you had and you know I, I, it's probably about time we get into the September. What you had down the stretch was because they failed. Like every game was just this. It was, it was like it's just a scare fest, especially because in September, it's kind of amazing to think that they made the playoffs without – with Wood was their only good pitcher. He didn't even pitch in September. I just right. remember like this sort of like like just holding on to the ledge every game in, down the stretch in September. Um, there were – I mean, I, we, at the risk of, uh, of maybe forgetting some earlier random games in the season, I think that's probably a good time to maybe focus on that month because I mentioned Don Wanger there's another name I remember Chris Haney no wait, there was a Haney, a yeah, Haney. Pick, I swear or he could not get I sw- I just felt like he could not get anybody he out like no, he was terrible. you ever watch where you're, you're like watching you like just you just hit it at somebody you know I mean you're just like terrified you're watching these guys uh, I vaguely remember I'm looking at the roster now. Terry Adams we should probably maybe especially because uh, it might serve as a little bit of balm after the events earlier today, and then we'll also maybe embolden us before we go into the events in Milwaukee from later September. But they did play the Brewers that crazy ass weekend. We have to spend some time there. It was in September at Wrigley Field, and there's was the weekend might be best known for Sammy hitting uh, on the Sunday, which I was in attendance, and I'm going to share a personal anecdote when I get to it. But he hits home runs 61 and 62. Uh, that weekend he caught up with McGuire because they were of course in that home run chase. But that weekend was nuts. And I remember the Friday game. I was like leaving work listening to it. Like some cub named like Jason Maxwell hit a home run. Yep. It was a ba- it was a back and forth game. I remember Terry Adams coming in fucking just walking people and I'm like and I was like done with Terry Adams. Because at this point, you know, it'd been three years and I had high hopes. We talked about the ninety six Cubs hoping Terry Adams could emerge in the wake of uh you know randy myers being gone as, as being the closer and by 98 you know in a big game in september they needed to win i went back and forth the saturday game i was at a wedding and i don't remember i, I wasn't watching but i remember like like going to the bathroom and somebody telling me about this crazy comeback where orlando merced you know hit a, and it was a game in which when i turned it off to go to the wedding the cubs were like down like four runs or something i'm like fuck it, they lost and then i hear that somehow they you know they took the lead and the brewers tied it and merced hit a walk off and not you know like what you know and this is you know at this point i mean you could probably step in and provide some context cuz i assume you're probably taking a peek at where they're at but i mean we're it's like the third week of september we're down to the, the last few weeks of the season the cubs are alive for the legitimately this isn't 1996 phony baloney alive they're you know they're they're already over 500 now they have a chance to do something. And this is before that San Diego. This is right before that San Diego series. So they yeah. kind of you know rolled a little bit. Um, so I don't know if we should, we should probably maybe go through each game or at least the last two games um, because I have personal memories from the Sunday game, which obviously was the absolute peak um, of the weekend.
0: Yeah, so Saturday the 12th, they um, – let's see. which So which home was this for Sammy? This was – it would have been 60, I believe. Yeah. And so that was, uh, was that Dan Roan or was that Wayne Larravee? Oh, was Chip doing Fox? Chip was doing Fox on Saturday. And okay. so he couldn't I, do the, I forget whoo. which, which fill in we got.
1: Maybe that's something, you, if we can find it on YouTube, it's something you can drop in the, uh, in the, in the, well, I'm pod. pretty
0: sure you, I'm pretty sure you find those home runs on YouTube. Okay. Um, in fact, if you buy the, so kids, pre World Series. Things were bleak for the Cubs. They sold, for every major team, they sold a five greatest games in team history DVD set. (laughs) Now, if you get the Yankees, they must sit there and just bang their heads against wall. like, how are we going to whittle all these down? My God, how are we going to do this? When you get the Cubs, they're like, uh... How about that crazy game against the Brewers, where uh, yeah. Sammy had two home runs and and caught well, Maris, it, and then passed the? It's like, okay, well, that that one's in there.
1: So there were two crazy games because we're we're still on the Saturday game, right? Like the Saturday game, the Sunday game was when because I've got a great story, and I, and I promise I'll I'll deliver. But the Saturday game uh, was the one that like where you mentioned that um, was it Dan? What were your choices, Dan Roan or, or Wayne Larrabee? Were yeah, Dan Rone
0: or Wayne Larrabee.
1: The game does exist. I, I put it in the text and I can't figure out. It sounds like Tom Brennerman. It's actually a national broadcast.
0: Oh, if it's that, then it would have been Yeah, it would All have right. been something.
1: So it's from. neither, Dan but it wasn't Chip and it wasn't because Chip was a studio host. Yeah, it was Tom Brennerman. So I put it I put it in the chat. And it's just a Merced Homer, it's nothing else. Associated sixty. So after that game, I don't know. The Cubs obviously had already kissed the division goodbye, but they're fighting for the, for the Wild Card. They're fighting with the Giants and the Mets, and I don't know where they were in relation to the Wild Card, but trust me, they were alive. So that was a huge win, 15-12, to 12 by scoring five runs uh, in the bottom of the ninth. Take that, Brewers. Uh, and, and it was, uh, I believe it was for that made, I thought it was for that blew the save, because that's going to be relevant here. Uh, no, Wickman. We always always told the stories, Paul's friend it was Bob Wickman. Uh, the Cubs scored ten runs. Twelve. The, the Cubs were losing this game, eight to two, ten to two at one point. So, again, take that, Milwaukee. Yep. They, they jumped out to a 2-0 lead, and then they're down 10-2 in the bottom of the fifth. They scored a run to make it 10-3. They scored two in the sixth. That's what, yeah, like I guess I turned the game off, and I'm like, there's no way. It doesn't matter. 10-5 after six, but then the Brewers scored uh, two in the top of the seventh. I think that's when I turned it off, 12-5. Cubs score four in the bottom to make it 12-9, one in the eighth to make it 12-10, and then Merced hits a three-run bomb, I think. They went 15-12. to The next day... Um, they, it was Wickman who blew that save. And we always told this story. As, I thought it was Bill Pulsifer, but it had to have been Bob Wickman. The next day, the Bears were playing the Steelers because I had to meet my girl I was dating. I was taking her brother to the game. I had a ticket. We are going to meet the bleachers. Our buddies were saving seats in the, right, in the left field bleachers. And so I didn't get there early enough, but they had our seats saved. And remember when I showed up, I expected them to be in the front row because they were going to be there early, right? <laughs> but it was Gracie the Swan Beanie Baby Day. Oh, God and and we walk into the left field bleachers it almost sounded like that except insert replaced the dog yipping with maybe babies crying <laughs> we're we're not babies but we're in the bleachers and it was like uh it was bizarre cuz i'm like first of all why are we not in the front row and then when i get to where we're seating we're surrounded by like young parents and their children in the freaking bleachers whatever you know we're still going to be who we are so during batting... <laughs> During batting practice, uh, you know, in this game on Sunday, Oleg, as we know, he heckles. We thought I always thought it was Bill Pulstifer, but it's obviously Bob Wickman. Uh, it sounded a lot like that. I don't know if that's uh, if that's Beasley, but it was you know, Oleg's a little bit lower tone. He's not as high <laughs> pitched.
0: Yeah, Oleg and Beasley are uh, basically the same pitch.
1: That's it. Uh, but I always—I remembered we remembered the story as being Bill Pulsifer, but it must have been Bob Wickman because Oleg heckled him about blowing the save the day before, and Wickman turns around, not really reckon, reading the room, so to speak, and just says "fuck you." And then Oleg, of course, got to take the high road, the self-righteous. Oh, oh! <laughs> look at all these children around here. Real classy, Bob. You know, just giving it to him. So, um, and then. You know, in the game, of course, it was a game where Steve Traxel, you know, was handed a nice big lead. uh, In this game, or he blew it. The Cubs. uh, uh, This this was the Sunday game. Uh, Traxel was was, gave up two runs. The Cubs got six in the third to take a six two lead, uh, and 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 then an eight three lead in the fifth, and they just they couldn't hold on because that bullpen was just like I said, it was it was it was scary. Sosa's both of Sosa's homers came late. Uh, 61 and 62 61 of course would have traditionally tied Roger Maris had Mark you know uh, Mark McGuire not uh you know not already done it and then of course 62 would have passed him and Mc- McGuire had done it but Sosa had tied him and Sosa was like down four to McGuire just a couple days earlier so he kind of he kind of caught up to him and I just remember sitting in the bleachers like going up to the like going to, to, on a beer run to the back row and looking down onto Waveland and seeing like the people i'd never seen that before in my life just it was just because they were trying to of course collect a bunch of weirdos trying to collect the uh, uh sosa's piece of history uh but more importantly for me andy he's a cubs fan you know as excited as i as i found sosa's pursuit of history to be is the fact that the cubs are in the middle of a, of a of a you know a playoff race which was a rare thing by 1998 and i was far more obsessed with that and uh, in spite of or you know it, What Sosa did was exciting more so because it kept the Cubs in the game and eventually, I think, tied the game. Uh, But the game, of course, ended on... Perfectly, just as if you could write it up on Gracie the Swan Day, because yeah. Beanie Babies were a very popular giveaway. I guess I didn't provide that context. Maybe young people might not know the reason there were so many children uh, and parents in the bleachers <laughs> that day is because there was so much value being put on these Beanie Babies. Uh, and even if it meant having to, you know, take your four-year-old to the bleachers, you'd do it so you could get that precious Beanie well, Baby. And
0: I, now, one of the things about that I want to talk about is um, I give I give ball hawks a lot of shit because they're I just think they're really weird. They're um, just going to stand out on the street during a game, not be able to see any of it, just hope you can get a ball. But on Gracie the Swan Day, they, were, they served a vital purpose because what would happen was people would take their kids in to get the kids. You had to be under a certain age, right, to get the yep. swan. Yep. And then they would take the kid and the swan, and they would just throw them over the back of the bleachers, and one of the ball hawks would catch the kid and the swan. and then Oh! They would, you know, isn't that what they did? That's what I would have done.
1: Well, that what have until I, I have on. pictures
0: of like dozens of children just being thrown out of the back of the bleachers <laughs> and then drunks walking in to take their seats. <laughs> hey, thanks, kid. Enjoy the duck or whatever the fuck that thing is. It's a swat. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. One of them got bizarre. stuck in a tree. The mailman postman caught one of them, ran up the street and kicked, clipped his heels. It was great.
1: Yeah. 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 Iconic like,
0: moments from that game. Of people the, throwing their kids over the bleachers.
1: The whole incident, unfortunately, made us aware of certain like lifelong weirdos like Mo Mullins. You might remember that name. And like there was a big controversy because he was this much-respected elder in whatever the social order was. was no Mai Tai Hawks guy. On, on wave <laughs> right. Mai Tai, I would, I would think, the next generation's <laughs> sort of ear to, to Mo Mullins. Um Yeah, so that was a whole separate thing. And, you know, Sammy, I'm more excited the Cubs have tied it because we got to get to the playoffs, screw all this other crap. And then, uh, of course, in a fitting end, Mark Grace, not Brant Brown, uh, Mark Grace this time, hits the walk-off homer on Gracie the Swanee Day. His Um, second
0: walk-off homer of the year.
1: What was the other one?
0: I saw it early in the year because I thought maybe it was a Brant Brown one, but it was uh, Grace.
1: He did have a play earlier in the year and they beat the Cardinals, I wanna say, like the first or second Saturday in May, where he huffed it from first base on a hit by somebody I remember. Uh and and it was a big joke because, you know, yeah, was, somebody who was the third lung? base coach of the uh I don't know, ninety eight
0: Cubs. They <laughs> hand him a lit Winston rounded of right, third. I was gonna
1: right. I mean, Just what I four. need.
0: Whoever nineteen ninety eight Chuck Cotier is.
1: Yeah. So the Cubs like, you know, Dan,
0: what was that guy? Who was the Dan Radisson? Dan I thought Radisson? he
1: was the first base coach. Yeah, he, he was the first base coach. He, and he was Riggleman's, uh, uh, uh was partner a, on riding the elder work. Could have been Tony Muser. Before could he, have been. He, is Tony the one that a, caught fire? Tony was. Tony no. caught fire.
0: And Tom Gamboa coached third for the Cubs. That was he got in 98. By, he got attacked he got, by the Lagoos.
1: In 02, I think, or a couple years later, but '98 yeah. he was the Cubs coach. It might have been Tom Gambol. I think it was, it was probably Tom Gambol. So Tom, had a,
0: had a heater ready for Grace coming around
1: third yes. and they contributed to yes. the
0: win because he wouldn't have made but he had, it Yeah,
1: he, so he did score a walk-off run. But uh, in, in a, the Cardinals were not a factor in '98, but uh, they, they, there was that whole issue with McGuire and Sosa. And I'm just before we wrap this up, I, just a couple, just a jump real quick because I want to cover it. Uh, two weeks earlier is when Maguire actually, it was just the pre not two weeks earlier, it was the previous Monday, right? Or yeah. Sunday, Labor Day weekend that Maguire hit 61. That's what it was. Sosa was like way behind, so there was no drama left. Uh, Sosa was like three behind uh, and Maguire hit 61 against the Cubs and Steve Traxel so. And I remember just being annoyed. Because Sosa, who you know, I had mixed feelings about, and I was kind of consider him a little bit of a you know phony, you know, in the middle of this game, you know, Cubs need to win this game, by the way, and and you know, he runs in from right field and he you know tries to share you know get some of that spotlight from from McGuire, and he did play it well in the long run as it turned out, as far as that's concerned. But I remember thinking at this point in time. Now that McGuire has hit his 61st over, there have been just as many guys who have hit 61 homers in the last 50 years as Cubs teams have made the playoffs. So what are you doing? Get out there and write – I mean, I was annoyed. I'm sorry. I was only 26, but maybe I was already an old man. I was annoyed because to me the most important thing was the Cubs getting into the playoffs because that's what I wanted to see. The home run thing was nice. Kids enjoyed it. It's great, right? It added to Sammy's mystique. But I, honestly, in some regards, for me personally, I was, at times I found it to be a little bit of a distraction, like it was against the Cardinals. But anyway, after that Brewers series, they take the three of four from the Padres. So they're looking good now.
0: Okay, now, in that, so on that Sunday game, an underrated moment of this, a hero of Sammy, of, of people who saw, like you, saw 61 and 62 that day, a hero is Terry Mulholland.
1: He was a hero that whole month, by the way. Because the Cubs in the
0: eighth had an 8-5 lead. And if Terry and the Run Fairy don't combine to give up um, four runs to the Brewers, then Sammy doesn't bat in the bottom of the ninth. So basically, Terry Mulholland is the anti-Rick Manning. So there's two things I always remember about Rick Manning. Number one... Um, Dennis Eckersley was his best friend And he stole ex-wife Correct um, Number two Rick Manning got booed For scoring the winning run At a game at County Stadium For the Brewers The reason Don't he be- got booed is Paul Molitor was go- was had that long hit streak And was on deck you And the fans that. were like yeah. We're bad Don't fucking score Give Molly one more at bat He right. scored the Brewers one And Rick Manning got booed <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's all excited, that. and everybody's like, ah, fuck. You're going That's to a great third? comp.
1: That's a great comp. I, uh, I Let me just assure you, sitting in the sun in left field, uh, I was not happy with Terry Mulholland for yeah, giving Sammy another chance. So uh, Somewhere on be, the, in the
0: Decipio archives, there's an ode to Rod Beck and Terry Mulholland for the 98 mm-hmm. Cubs.
1: Yeah, because it should be. Because
0: of what those two assholes t- had to do to drag the team, that was drag it. the pitching staff across the finish line. So I'm, Mulholland, I, who was a starter and a reliever, it, mostly a reliever, but he made yep. – um,
1: He was the opening day starter the year before. The Cubs traded in 97 in Florida. They traded him at the deadline, and then he came back. And wh- How many starts did he make? So I'm glad you brought that up, Andy, because I would be really regretful and uh, if, if we did not mention the yeoman's work that Terry Mulholland did to his own financial detriment, by the way. Uh, in September because he had, he was going to be, well, he was going to be a free agent too. And you know, if you're going to be, if you're, he was ostensibly a starting pitcher that year, was he not? Do you know how many starts he made?
0: I got the game log pulled up, not the other.
1: That's all right. But, but I feel like at least my memory was that he, he he pitched in relief and like did whatever he needed to do to help the team win, even though it it felt like the idea was, it was going to cost him money.
0: Well, here was his September. So on the 2nd, he comes in uh, and, tr- and helps them stave off a Reds rally in a win on, on September 2nd. Then uh, three days later, he makes a start against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Then two days later, after he makes the start against Pittsburgh, he can't get through the 5th, but he only gives up one run. I'm sure they were like, all right, that's, that's enough. He threw 74 pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, two days later, he makes a relief appearance against the Cardinals. The very next day, he makes another relief appearance against Pittsburgh. Two days later, he relieves against the Brewers. Then the, he pitches the next two days. So he pitches all, in oh, all really. three games. They in that nobody series. else, right? Um, then on two days rest, so he's thrown he's thrown three days in a row. On two days rest, he threw he made a seven inning start against the Padres and beat him yeah. six to
1: three. He's <laughs> Thrown in a start, I mean, that's a, like who does that?
0: Then he started against so, the Brewers on regular rest. Actually, they gave him an extra day, and he, he gave up one run in eight innings. And a win. Um, and then he um, he made the start on I think it was the Friday in Houston the final weekend. They lost three they lost four to three.
1: But and so then, so he made he only made six starts. No, he made so the he, start
0: on the last game because then he pitched in game one sixty three on no rest. Oh my god. Yeah. No. And then there's Beck. Yep. Rod pitched yep. One, he saved 10 games in September.
1: Wow, that's good. Yeah, He had a big save, another tight wire act, in the, the one game they won in Houston, which so of he course pitched, they needed to win.
0: He pitched 16 games in the month alone. He had 10 saves and two wins. He only blew one save. Uh, that was... Um,
1: well, Brant Brown's drop. That was right? Brant Brown's
0: drop. Yeah, so he basically he won, and so he, that should have been another save. He got
1: the last out, yeah. Yeah, he just happened to hit
0: Brant in the glove.
1: Right. right with two outs
0: <laughs> So here was um, Beck He pitched on No days rest No days rest One day None Ooh then he got Three days rest Then no rest One day None one, None None Four
1: Incredible
0: None Two None And none And on a on a rash On a normal team Given the workloads There's no way Rod Beck And Terry Mulholland Could pitch in game 163 Right Mulholland came in And pitched the 8th Beck got the save Yep,
1: yep. Yep. And that's all they had. I, it was like, close your eyes. And then even the, so no bullpen, but also no starting rotation. Cause the, all right. So Don Winger made six starts. I'm confident they were down. the. They, they unearthed. And we mentioned this before that he came back. Cause not only, you know, 20 game winners from the Cubs come back but also lesser tiered pitchers Mike Morgan in a desperate attempt they brought him out of mothballs and he got lit up to the tune of a 7.15 ERA and five starts which I, I I'm convinced were all September so you basically 40% of your rotation you were getting nothing out of and then 60% of your your bullpen you're getting nothing it's just a, it's a, it's really a, it's really kind of a
0: yeah
1: it's a, amazing that they were, uh, even where they were. And they, they don't have Kerry Wood either. He's not helping them out.
0: Yeah. So, in those 16 games back pitched in September, he gave up six runs. Three were earned. The other three all scored on the Brant Brown ball.
1: Might as well talk and finish that off, especially in light of today. It won't <laughs> feel so bad because as bad as today felt, this was far, far worse, kids. If you don't remember 1998.
0: Okay, so this was... uh this game was. I went on. to I, I went there? to the
1: game. I went to the game the night before, and uh, Cubs won, and the Mets lost to the Expos. And I remember that put us neck and neck. And but I remember in batting practice, I tried to shout some encouragement to Steve Traxel, <laughs> who Steve Traxel who could not sort of get over the hump in that uh, wild Sunday game when you know when Grace hit the homer. I think just something like, "Hey, yo, Traxel, we need you tomorrow," because he was pitching the next day you know, we need you to come up big tomorrow. And you know, I was not being a dick and I couldn't read him, but my buddy was like, Hey, I don't think he liked that. Like he kind of didn't, he, Whatever, fucking prick. Nobody liked Traxel except for Harry Tynowitz. You know, you can always find there's always one media guy that a, even the biggest asshole player will warm up to that will cape for him. But it, nobody really cared for Traxell. He was just an ornery dude. Uh, and then, of course, sure enough, the next day, which is the day we're talking about, Traxel was staked to a 7-0 lead in his defense. I think he pitched pretty well through about six innings. But back then, we did have higher standards for our pitchers. Uh, he had a seven nothing lead, and I don't know he if he necessarily up. walked he it away a, by He Dumpst got one stuff.
0: out in the seventh. He pitched six in the third. Six hits, four
1: runs. By today's standards, but by then it's a come on, dude. You know, especially with that bullpen, right? And, and the fact that Traxel, if he put it together, was a good pitcher. I mean, he was an all star two years earlier.
0: I mean, you got to give the Cubs credit. They they shot, they fired all their big guns. Traxel started, and then he was relieved by Felix Heredia. Got nobody out, gave up a hit. And then Matt Kartner, who got through one and two-thirds, gave up a run, but they still had the lead. And yep, then they got Rod, who gets...
1: Whose arm is falling off, or not Yeah, he still, he still has to get through another five days. And Rob does the job, right? Can we just recap that ninth inning? As, as painful as it was, we, we did live through it. And actually, as much as it's it's so iconic, it's not actually a thing that fucked them up. As we'll, as we'll wrap up uh, in discussing.
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, f- he gets Fernando Vigne out, grounds out to second, so one away. Cubs fans are all, you know, it was mostly Cub fans there, just like, you know, it still is. Then Mark Loretta got a single. Jeff Cirillo doubled. Loretta didn't score. He got third. Big brain Pat's Jim Riggleman of- says, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to intentionally walk future Cub Jero-me Mm-hmm. So Marquise player, Grissom then. comes up, and he pops out to the rat in foul territory at third base. And all you got to do is get Jeff Jenkins out.
1: Which he did. And it was a long fly, but he got him out. It was, was a fly, fly and it field.
0: was... Um, now, the
1: weird The weird thing is the
0: county stadium, that's the Sunfield, is left field.
1: It's one of the rare stadiums where the, the, the Sunfield doesn't matter. He was playing it. you know.
0: And Brant put the f- shades down, and you could tell... He didn't know where the ball was And then he saw it And he thought okay good And then he didn't catch it
1: Yeah. And uh, it was a lead chaining
0: So now I was To make this was a great day in our family It was my uh, nephew's second birthday
1: But he day. had
0: been He had gone to the hospital In Milwaukee the day before because, In Milwaukee Yes because his pediatrician Had thought he felt something funny And so I had gotten the call that morning that they had diagnosed my nephew, who's now a hearty 25-year-old, whatever, six foot seven inches tall, with a Wilms tumor. He had a tumor on his kidney. He had cancer. They were going to have to take his kidney. So I was driving up and listening to the Cub game (laughs) and thinking, well, at least they're going to win. There's one bright spot today. And then Brant Brown drops the fuck.
1: This is like the Kennedy moment. It all turned out fine.
0: Ryan had to have – he's still got a kidney. That's good. That's good. fine.
1: God bless Ryan. He
0: played college basketball. He's fine. And but, uh, Brant Brown and the Cubs went to the playoffs. But,
1: uh, it, yeah, that was a It, 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 it is like the Kennedy assassination. It. I think a lot of people know where they were. I similarly uh, didn't have – it wasn't quite as heavy. In fact, it was quite light. Um, I was working, but we were at a we were celebrating a work thing. I, I said it before. I was working for a, uh, it was an independent company, and my boss Jimmy, diehard Cubs fan, big drinker. So, like, we went to games together, and this was a celebration at a tapas restaurant, like somewhere out in like Naperville. Not, you know.
0: not a topless restaurant. No tapas,
1: which okay. you know,
0: very. I don't think I want to eat other... at <laughs> a no, no. And all you Lou can Williams eat thing. Like chicken wings, but not.
1: and I remember like peeking around the corner at the bar and seeing that the Cubs were up seven nothing, and then they were chipping away. And then I'm driving home. I just remember being on I-55. So you and I both heard Santa was called live then, huh? Yeah. Um, and I was in the ditch. I was, I was probably. I hope and, I, if you you
0: I was cute. close to the to the Stevie Ray Vaughan Memorial Helicopter Crash Site, I may I, have just pointed the car at it and just gunned it.
1: It was. It's actually good to relive this because as disgusted as I was with today's events, you cannot feel any worse at that point in time than you did at that moment. And it's funny because, like I said, as we'll finish up here, it didn't actually cost them anything. But at the time, it was probably like the worst thing we had ever experienced. Well, it had to be, so right? Like, think about it. it. They're winning. It's a must-win game. Yeah. They're winning 7 nothing. They're hanging on. They've got a uh, – was a two-run lead or one-run lead? I can't even remember. Did they lose by one? Obviously, it wasn't a home they run, run so two. it was a two-run lead. They had a they it's, had a cushion. It's the final out. It's a lead change. And if he catches the ball, they win, and he doesn't catch it, they lose. It was the most stunning thing. And and so we joke about driving into the ditch, but it was – like I remember, like – obviously, I wasn't going to drive into the ditch, but I was like – I remember being – right where I was, like crossing under the Cicero Avenue bridge on the Stevenson, like just absolutely just melting down inside and being miserable – for I don't even know how long, it just
0: so I mean, Pat Hughes has like five stories that he tells over and over and over again, and but one of them, which I really enjoy, is he talks about the aftermath of that, and he says he, you know, he couldn't believe it. He's sitting in the, you know, he's sitting up there. Ron is still yelling, and then slowly everybody starts. The Cubs are, you know, everybody's getting ready to make the trip back to. They actually they have to they have to fly to Houston. Yep, and. He's, he's, Pat famously says, I, you know, I, after I packed all my stuff and got down there, he said I had the surreal experience of watching, the manager of a baseball team who had just lost this gut wrenching game, consoling the color anal- the radio color analyst because Santo was so out of his mind. Jim Riggleman was was trying to pep. Ron Sano up that it was going to be okay. I
1: know. And it's the great story. But I'm, and I'm sorry to be a skull, but it also I use that as an indictment against Sano that he had well, to thrust I mean, himself. We, I mean, the players feel bad enough and they got to like listen well, to this we talked two-time about loser in the 69 Cubs.
0: We talked about last week, right? That he was, for the longest time, he was the best player not in the Hall of Fame. Well, part of the reason he wasn't in the Hall of Fame was
1: he was an asshole, is so demonstrative and just so Other like players hated him and they yeah. would
0: and they talked him down to the writers, and that was part of the reason he couldn't yeah. get enough support because he was a dick. They didn't like the heel clicks, they just didn't like a lot about Ron. He brought and,
1: attention himself. If, if I was a player on that team, I would be like, Fuck you, dude. We, we're the play, we lost the game. What do you get? Get your ass. I mean, I know he, Hughes tells that story to sort of endear Sano, and a lot of people eat it up to me again call me a scold i just see that as an indictment over just his sort of kind of a i don't know self-centered personnel that's harsh i know i've been attacked before for my heart hot takes on ron sano as a broadcaster because he is all famer but i'm like that's ridiculous they just lost a gut punch and this guy's got to make a scene because how much it affects him so it's,
0: anyway it's the it's the only call he's famous for <laughs> is right. him yelling oh no <laughs> it is over and over again right it and, is so and guttural. It, it's funny because so we look. At, this is a Cub fan thing, right? Um, I just watched for whatever reason earlier, early this morning. I saw this thing on Twitter. It was some Tito's vodka sponsored thing, and it was all the AM one thousand guys telling like their like iconic Chicago sports fan memory. And both Tom Waddle and Kaplan talked about Game Seven in Cleveland. Okay. And both of them go on and on about Waddle kind of enjoying it because he's a Reds fan, but still he was glad the Cubs won. But he liked the fact that the Cubs fans got tortured one last time by Rajay Davis and Kaplan Mm -hmm. still almost inconsolable that that ever happened. To me, I don't understand why anybody cares anymore. I didn't care. What an hour and a half later. No. In fact, the Rajay Davis thing. Now you watch it and you're like, ha ha! Look, the Cubs were. That's the kind of thing the Cubs could never overcome ever, and they did. But We've Cubs fans still wallow in it, and they wallow in this stupid Brant Brown thing. And like you said, they still went to the playoffs. That's right. It didn't cost them anything.
1: And that's probably because of Sano. Really, if you think about it. Right? Yeah, because people like to play that. Because the play itself. Because now, now here's the fun, and I know you know this, but this is an obscure fact. They go to Houston, and I don't know how many. You know, they're they, if they win out, they're okay. They probably still need help. I want to point out too, the Cubs had gotten swept at home by the Reds the previous weekend. The Reds sucked, so. Yeah. It didn't help. They lost six out of their last not eight. Not the uh, not
0: the Austin yeah, right. Kearns. That was well, that, They'd Kearns, save that. They'd save that for four no. years later. Five years. Later. Right. It's well before so Kearns, the Reds. Right? The Reds screwing up their season late was a thing.
1: Yeah, and I remember too. Like it always kind of bothered. Like they made a big show because Sosa had hit six. It was after Sosa's sixty-first homer, and they did a big show on, on presenting. And I was that rubbed me a little bit because again, can we put these festivities? So after the season, we're trying to make the playoffs. I just thought a little bit of a distraction. That was when Sammy stood up. Uh, this is a game I was at. It was like baseball. Been bit, he really knew how to play to the crowd. I got to give him credit. But baseball been bitty, bitty good to me. He basically just rehashed Garrett Morris's, uh Chico Escuela from Saturday Night Live. And everyone ate it out because Sammy at that point kind of knew how to play to the crowd. Just a little distracting because the Cubs were in the midst of pissing away a three-game set against the Reds. But after the Brant Brown drop, um, I don't know where they're at, but they're alive. they go going to Houston, who has already made the playoffs, probably but doesn't have much incentive to win unless there's home field. But on that Friday night in Houston, in center field, in a dome, some sort of mysterious black bird – Started circling Brant Brown's head. It attacked him. I mean, that's what we should talk about more than Brant Brown no. dropping the ball. Is like, how did that happen?
0: You talk about being cursed. People
1: talking about the black cat. No, this like was a nobody could have engineered that. You're inside. It's a black bird. This guy just dropped the ball, and it was like swirling around his head.
0: Well, and I, at the time, we all thought it was that Santa had just thrown his toupee at him. <laughs> like that's quite a throw, Ron. <laughs> oh wait, that thing's swooping. <laughs> Bizarre, yes, yeah. I've told that. people that like, I just kind of shared that. Oh, remember the, the next? Remember that. the next day, Brant Brown got attacked by the bird, and they're like, "What? Yeah. Indoors? Like, right. like, cub, bird. like real diehard Cub fans who literally don't remember that? Like, how could you forget that?"
1: in some way you you almost have to remember that as a corollary to him dropping the ball and so again it's like well, how do you even if you reject all of the, like the superstition of the black cat in the 69 I'm watching that just like getting a kind of a, a sick a queasy feeling in my stomach like oh that's you know i try to be rational a rational you know, not superstitious human being like that's uh that's not good and they lost that game. So like the whole week was tense, but they and then they pull out the Saturday game where Beck, you know, it was absolutely on fumes. Uh again pitches into trouble and 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 he had to get a put out at first that they barely beat the runner to the bag and they hold on and then the Sunday game was tense. Mulholland started and then they lose it they and you think the a, season might they be they lost over. They on a
0: walk off. And you thought, all right, they're fucked.
1: And we've talked about this yeah. at length, but that's not uh, the walk off that anybody
0: remembers. They no. don't remember. Who, I honestly, I don't remember who hit, who beat it. It was
1: I don't either. The great who would it
0: Richard Hidalgo, a sack fly that scored Jurassic Carl Everett. Carl had tripled with two outs.
1: And then I remember flipping on the Bears game, and I think the Bears were already like (laughs) 0-4. Yeah, (laughs) You know, because they were 0-7 the year before, and then they went like 0-3 or 0-4. Or maybe they won their first game that year. They might have beaten Charlie Batch of the Lions. but And then within minutes, like, you know, you turn the Bears game, like, oh, jeez, that's not much better. I'm not going to look forward to the Bears. Then you find out that Nafi Perez hits a home run for Rob The players
0: walked into the clubhouse, and on the TV in the clubhouse – Neffy was hitting the home run that yeah. was beating the Giants and meant that the Cubs would be hosting because they'd already done all the coin flips. They knew they were. Yep. They knew if it was the Giants, they're going to be at home. And yep. then they was there were no. They didn't do any pre-sales for that, right? And no, season, well, ticket, I, season ticket holders didn't get
1: show up. People showed up. People started flocking down to Wrigley Field because I remember cameras showing them. Yeah. Uh, you know, people were, uh, you know, it was my second year of having a share of tickets. My cousins had it. So we just had to coordinate and I got, I got to go to the ne- the game the next night and he'd been sent the provisional tickets.
0: Okay. So, uh,
1: amazing. yeah, well for the season ticket holders, right. but the then yeah, ticket. everybody else had to flock down to the stadium. And so, yeah, we had a one game playoff and we talked about it already. I think it's, we don't really have to go too deep. Everyone knows that hey, it was the most excruciating six innings of no hit ball by Steve Traxel. Um, Gaetti hit a big homer. Matt Mieske, we'd be remiss if, yep. if Matt Mieske's name didn't come up in the 98 Cubs, but he had a really huge uh, State Farm Insurance 2-RBI single in about the 6th or 7th inning. And, uh, and then I just remember like Heredia actually got Bonds out one time. You know, Bonds was starting to, he wasn't quite full Beroid because Sammy, you know, it was actually Sammy and McGuire that would kind of inspire him to up it a level. Uh Bonds did come in against Mulholland on the eighth and scare the hell out of us with the bases loaded by just hitting a rope to the wall that Sosa caught and that made it I think a one run game, but they held on. And uh Rod Beck, uh retired former Cub prospect and future Cub broadcaster Joe Carter in his final major league at bat for the out. Grace, probably the only member of the ninety eight Cubs who had been on the eighty nine Cubs, makes the uh, final put out. Now
0: there was another eighty nine Cub who played in the game. And got a hit,
1: but for the giants, yep, oh shit, uh, my, my favorite cub, oh Dun Dunstan, Sean Dunstan. oh, shit, All right. Um, Sorry, Sean
0: So one of the weird things You you think about it Now you think about These extra games And you think all right, well It's like the wild card Playing game No, this is technically A regular season game So if Sammy had hit Five How many homers Did he need? (laughs)
1: Uh, He finished with 66 If he had had hit Five
0: homers in the game He would have passed McGuire Um, But the other thing was You played with The ridiculous 40 man rosters So the Giants Used Six pitchers And so the Cubs There were 12 pitchers In the game Because you could Oh, that's right! You don't Position have a player playoff. Wise, it was quote, just unquote, as nuts. Everybody play. Everybody pretty much played.
1: Yep. Well, when you mentioned it, like Mulholland on zero days rest, uh, Traxel started. Um, Tappany was Tappany got in the game too on a couple days rest. I think Mark Clark was probably the only guy that didn't start, and that's the reason why he was deemed why, the yeah, game one he got starter. The, he got the Playoffs. honor
0: of being the game one starter because he was the only starting pitcher that was left.
1: So are we sure Clark didn't start the uh, the last game of the season? It had to have been. No, he started the Saturday. Yeah. Shows sure you what a badass Terry Mulholland is. Yeah. Clark starts Saturday. Oh, I can't go on Monday, but Mulholland, who does start Sunday, comes in again because he was so awesome.
0: Yeah, Tappany pitched the eighth and not well. He gave up he gave up those two runs. And yeah. then it's fitting that the final three outs were gotten by Mulholland and Beck.
1: And, but not to this on Tappany because they're going to move into the playoffs. It's a quick one. Not, not the D89 playoffs, were, which were far more, you know, uh, sad and poignant. Uh, this was a quick one. However, there was a point where we thought the Cubs might pull off an upset for the ages. They lose game one. Clark, you know, pitched okay. I think at one point Mike, Michael Tucker maybe hit a grand slant. Future Cub in the late innings. Didn't matter. Smoltz pretty much shut him down. You know, uh, but game two, Tappany in a heroic effort, took a shutout, a one-nothing shutout into the ninth inning. And the one run, of course, being driven in by uh, weak hitting catcher Scott Service in his uh, penultimate game as a Cub. And uh, Tappany had one out and faced uh, Braves all-star catcher Javi Lopez, who deposited it into the left field bleachers. Game tied. And uh, read the, the, I don't remember how they won it in, in extras. Doesn't matter. Uh, once they tied it, you kind of felt it. And then, Again, I got to go to the the next game, the Cubs. We have to mention this. Kerry Wood was on the sidelines for a month. Yep. They're down two 0 to the basically the Yankees of the National League, and decide it's a good idea to have him start. And he was valiant. He pitched well. Maddox hit one off the wall, but it was a it was a Wood Maddox game, so it was really kind of painful if you're a Cubs fan because the last time a, a playoff game had been played in Wrigley Field, uh, or you know, Maddox had pitched two out of three games. Playoff games in the Wrigley Field, nine years apart. Game one of 89, and then this game, it was the only playoff game in 98. Uh, he just kept the Cubs pinned down. Wood was valiant, but lost, and probably and obviously shouldn't have been pitching in retrospect because he wouldn't throw another pitch for about 19 months, which we yeah. covered at length last like, week. Right,
0: your, your elbow ligament is hanging on by a thread. Let's see if we can finish that off right now on national <laughs> right. TV. And you remember? And, you remember Greg Maddox's next Wrigley Field? Yeah, it, it was it was appearance like, though.
1: Uh, the next oh uh, three Friday night, Mark yeah, Pryor outduel Pryor Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a, that's a great point. And they, and he actually oddly enough pitched against them for the winning team when he was somehow showed up with the Dodgers uh, in 08 in that most part of a, of a playoff series. But you know, it, by ninety eight, the Cubs playoff series losses were uh, increasingly painless because eighty four was brutal. Eighty nine was tough, and ninety eight, you know, and then you started to realize, you know what, this team wasn't really well, that good anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the so they win that they win the playing game, and the fans celebrated like they had won the World Series. Sure, the players celebrated the fans because we knew that was the end,
1: and it was on the field. They hadn't won, yeah. a, they hadn't clinched the it was, playoff. It was, spot was in fun. We all and that night, was part of the reason everybody
0: wanted to win that game so much because they we wanted them to take something out of that season.
1: That's right, not just they, a yeah. near
0: miss. Sammy didn't. Sammy didn't set the home run record, but he had a great year. And it was yep. going to be like, we're not even going to make the playoffs. Well, they did, even though yep. we all and knew Carey, the Braves it, were going to, you know.
1: Probably, yeah. And Kerry would. And they did. Two.
0: Although you left out a very interesting part of, the, uh, of game two, which was so Javi uh, hits the home run to tie it. The gut punch. Um, and nowadays, of course, well, now the tapping wouldn't have sniffed the ninth. But he certainly yeah. gets taken out as soon as Javi hits a home run. He didn't. He stayed in and got the last two guys out. So he pitched all wow. he pitched nine innings. They go to the tenth and these scrappy Cubs. Glenn Allen Hill walks. Gaetti bunts into second. <laughs> the Bobby Cox wheels are spinning. He intentionally walks Mickey Morandini. I don't mind. And he brings guy. in Odalis Perez to pitch to <sighs> Jeff Blauser. And here it is, Jeff Blouser, the former Brave, he's got a chance, he's going to put the Cubs up, he's going to win the game, he grounds into a double play.
1: Oh my god, I don't even remember that, but I'm so glad you brought up Jeff Blouser, because fuck Jeff Blouser. Okay, he was the opening day shortstop. He was a Cub killer prior to coming to the Cubs. Proof that you can't just go out and hire a guy that beats you when your pitching sucks, and was terrible uh, from the start. And was eventually placed by Jose Hernandez. I think I did mention him at the beginning of the podcast yeah. in that context. And that son of a bitch! I don't even remember that. I do not. Remember. I think I was so numb after Lopez's homer, but uh, I know I saw it. And of course, he hits into a double play. I had a chance to, to put him back up. Couldn't do it. God damn it. Damn it, damn it.
0: Yeah, so a lot of a lot of stars on the 89 Cubs.
1: 98. Manny, or, on the 98. Got called,
0: uh, during the 89, you're I new, was called 98. You're,
1: you're numerically dyslexic, apparently.
0: On the 98 Cubs, Manny Alexander played 108 games. Our guy, 108? Hit, a, 108. Or, hit a, a robust 227. Um, Sounds about right. Kevin Ory uh, played 64 games he hit 181. I don't know how he even got that. I mean, he got I don't know how he hit um how about this? He, how many hits did he have? Uh he of his 37 hits, 14 of them were doubles. He was a doubles Ooh,
1: machine. My god. He had and more I doubles
0: should... in um in I don't know, I guess Gary Gaetti. Gary Gaetti. All right, let's let's look at what so Gaetti gets waived by the Cardinals. Cardinals. Washed up, can't play. Cubs scoop him up off the scrap heap. He plays thirty seven games for the Cubs. He hits three twenty with a three ninety seven on base and a five ninety-four slug. That's a one fifty four OPS plus. Eight homers, twenty seven RBIs. Only strikes out twenty three times, walks twelve. And then they're they're so excited. He's thirty nine years old, clearly found the fountain of youth. They bring him back for ninety nine and he's
1: terrible. Well, yeah, because they don't have a third baseman. So this also closes the chapter. We have actually covered nineteen ninety one. Did we cover nineteen ninety two? I think we did, yeah. Ninety seven and ninety eight. And those are the the the, two, the those back to back tryouts of Gary Scott and Kevin Ory. Yeah. May they never be discussed again on this podcast. So
0: Glenn Allen Hill's nineteen ninety eight season. He hit he played in forty eight games for the Cubs. He hit 351 with a 414 on base and a 573 slug.
1: Did they pick him up? Because so that was his second go around. Because remember, he was originally picked up in 93 for Candy Maldonado. And then he was around, he was opening day 94, maybe even, maybe not 95. But then this was his second go around uh, with the Cubs. I'm just wondering, did They yeah, it looks like he started the season in Seattle. So they picked him up. I don't re- remember that because then he was a Cub for. Well, long enough to extend yeah, uh, the grounder the weavers. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. So, and you know what? He was their left fielder in that playoffs series. I remember he made he he went a long way to make a really big catch in that game two, that Tappany game against the Braves, and he was not a great outfielder, but you know, busted his ass and yeah,
0: ran. Glenn down Allen, I was like Glenn Allen. He was a, he was a cool guy. He he was. If you go to his baseball reference page, uh, he's his headshot. He's wearing. I'm
1: not looking at it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, he was pretty cool.
0: He. So he played for the Cubs. <laughs> how, how many seasons did he play for the Cubs?
1: Take? Well, um, so parts of 93 and then 94, yeah. and then he comes back halfway through 98, and then 99, after hitting that home run on the roof in 2000. Right. Cause he so had, combined uh, four or five years pretty much throughout the 90s. Yeah, and he wore four different numbers. <laughs> He was
0: 34 before Wood. He was 42 nah. before they retired it. Actually, the Cubs didn't retire Bruce 42 Suter. for Jackie Robbins. They retired it for Bruce Suter and Glenn Allen. Right. Uh, 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 he wore four, and then six th- is the number I remember him in the most.
1: Okay. Yep. Yeah, good old yep. Glenn Allen. Yeah, he was yeah, great for do. them.
0: So they had two inexplicably productive waiver claims. Uh, right, Gary guy. Well, so for all of his terrible trades, they should have just said, "Ed, just sit there and look at the waivers." That's your business. Just focus right? on that. That's Stand
1: what you do. By the, This is what the you idea. do. This is your there, lane. You see this chair next to the fax machine? Just sit there, there's, okay. And when anything a comes bell, in on the waiver, <laughs>
0: there's a little bell that will go off. Just see if there's somebody you think we should pick up.
1: No, no, don't trade anybody. No, 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 no. Just, just see what comes through there, and go ahead and give a shot at.
0: Give him a shot. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Jason Maxwell, and he had the one. He had one homer.
1: He had one homer. Yeah, against the Brewers on that Friday, crazy Friday weekend. So
0: this is how starved the Cubs were, though, for offense. It was so they they picked up, they got an Orlando Merced as a waiver trade, right? Or was it just they just picked him up off? Might have
1: of been court. another waiver.
0: Why not? And he was he was not eligible for the postseason roster because they didn't get him until um, oh they didn't pick him up until September fifth. The the Red Sox had released him and they picked him. Okay, up. so he could finish the season. Back, with him, but back
1: then, that was the rule. That's not the rule now. You could make you could be on the playoff roster, but if you're not on the roster, then it's September first, right? You couldn't be on. Well, he if wouldn't if he, on,
0: even now he wouldn't have because you you have to at least be in the organization a 40,
1: a 40 man. That's right. That's right. So he, I'm w- sorry. he would
0: not have been able to have uh, have played the great Orlando Merced. Um, but yeah, he, only, he he played in 12 games. He only had 10 at-bats in the 12 games, but he hit that three-run homer, and everybody's like, yep. what do you mean he can't be on the playoff roster? It's like,
1: right, and he was, he was another scrap heap guy, although Merced himself played another five years because he made some ridiculous catch against the Cubs for the Cardinals in '03, 3 so he played a while. He felt old in '98. But he was only thirty.
0: 30. Was it he the, Astros? For the Astros? My Astros bad. In 03, yeah. In 03, yeah he made yeah, some he played for the catch. Expos in '99. Then he he was he was gone in the wilderness for a year, and then he played okay. three more years with the. Um, he's with the one,
1: he's one of those guys that felt like an old guy, but I look at it in '98, but I look at it and he was only thirty one, but he just wasn't that good, I guess. You
0: may point. have been thinking of another Orlando. Were you thinking of Orlando Palmeiro? Oh no, yes. I wasn't. But he was, Thank you. He was a Cardinal of that, of that era.
1: Could have been. Yeah, division rival, maybe. I'll leave it at that.
0: He was an 03 Cardinal and played a lot.
1: He wa- who was? Orlando Palmero? Orlando Palmero. Maybe it was. But yeah, could have been. Okay. I'll own it. I already mentioned Matt Mieske. We forgot. We forgot Kerry Wood's battery mate on the 20 strikeout game. Oh, yeah, Sandy was Martinez. Not. Yeah.
0: Sandy had to wear the, uh, they had to paint his fingers white so that you could so
1: that the pitchers could see the signs. Want to do one last memory because Andrew Peck will yell at me cuz he brought this up. Um, you'll remember this I bet. It was a back-to-back games at a crucial point against their their rival the Mets. And this was probably in July. It was in the summer, I remember? And on the Saturday game, um, it was Glenn Allen Hill. We just talked about Glenn Allen, let's put a cap on it. He hit a lead-changing uh, go-ahead homer off of john franco on a nationally televised game uh on set on a saturday um in that uh, uh in that 98 season and it was it was early july probably maybe mid-july something around there and then the next day another game i got to attend it was probably the only Kerry wood game i haven't mentioned um he he battled rick reed remember uh old strike breaker rick reed who kind of put together some really good seasons for uh uh for the mets uh was in a duel with wood and it was uh, he was winning the game two to one but the seventh inning fucking sosa god god bless him uh you know go ahead walk off, or not a go not a walk up but uh go ahead um uh lead changing go ahead home run like in the sixth or seventh inning off a Reed, two run homer put him up three two uh before beck closed it out pretty big series in retrospect because the Mets were on their tail as it turned out so two too late uh come from behind wins saturday july 25th and uh sunday july uh 26th the rick reed game was three to one not uh not three to two it was, i think it was one to nothing when sosa homered or he might have been tied but either way fuck the Mets and that was the third season all three years the Cubs had made the playoffs by that point in our life they had to fend off the Mets 84 89 98 But, again, they didn't actually fend anybody off in 98 because, as we've discussed, they they lost six out of their last eight games and still managed to back into the playoffs. That pretty much sums up the 98 Cubs, if you ask me. So, you remember Derek White? I remember Derek White's only home run came against the White Sox
0: that year in the the Saturday game. Yep. It's funny. They have him on baseball reference. They have him listed that year as the Cubs DH. (laughs) He DH'd once. Is he really? And that's what he's listed as. DH. <laughs> so he did play left field a couple of times.
1: Yeah. Um, I just I remember briefly, I just I remember just games. for that. I just remember I remember him just for that. Homer against the White Sox in that Saturday game. Ball went over ahead in the left field bleachers.
0: Yeah, so the Cup Bullpen of that year uh had we talked about Terry Adams. Um Mark Peshoda.
1: Yeah. He came up in 97. Was this, Bad.
0: was this Bob Patterson's second stint?
1: No, I think he had been on the team continuously since okay. they first came aboard. I think he got cut early that year. Oh, yeah. I don't think he was around. Yep. I don't think he was around the team uh
0: he, he he shouldn't have been.
1: Well, he no, in he had 33 Chris, he, games,
0: and he had a 752 ERA.
1: So. Yeah, well, he still might have been preferred. Should have kept him to around still,
0: just remember he, he fixed everybody's gloves.
1: That's right. Stitch, Stitch yes. Patterson. But he might have been, a, like I said, when you watch games in September, you just closed your eyes when half the rotation, half the bullpen was pitching. It was just
0: awful. One of was, Tony LaRusse's favorite pitchers pitched eight games for the Cubs that year, and he was 40 years old. And I'm sure he
1: went on to pitch for oh, the Cardinals I after that. Tony
0: Fossus.
1: Tony Fossus. Yeah. Tony oh Fossil. God. Yeah. He was old then. Yep. Tony Fossil.
0: God, they had nothing. He How did they win? He only pitched one more year. He pitched um, Yeah, he pitched with the Cardinals from, he actually predated Tony. He was there in 95, and then he was there 96 and 97. And then he finished up with the Yankees in, in, in uh, 99. Tony Fossus. Just one of those one-out, lefty one-out guys who couldn't, break a window yep
1: Paint of glass yep right. played for freaking ever yeah uh, it's just amazing especially considering what cuz i think jeremy gonzalez got hurt too like he had like a huge blowout cuz you know he would have been a good option if he had he stayed healthy at least compared to some of these bums like don wenger so they didn't have they didn't i'm pretty sure gonzalez blew out his elbow they didn't yeah. have him they didn't have wood
0: wenger made wenger made six starts Mike, oh, Morgan, Mike sure. Morgan made five.
1: Uh, it was just dreadful. But that was it. So well, the
0: Cubs only used, even with Wood and Gonzalez getting hurt, the only starting pitchers they used were their original five, plus Mulholland for six, Morgan for uh-huh. five, and Wenger for yep, six. Yep. That was it.
1: Well, God bless the troika of Kevin Tampany, Mark Clark, and Steve Traxel. Yeah. I guess. They were serviceable. I guess that's all it took. That An ungodly amount of home runs from Sammy Sosa. Uh <laughs> I mean they won ninety games. I'm still trying to figure out how. I mean, they weren't bad, but they weren't really that okay. good. And so So we
0: probably they, people always give a shit. Although, like I said, uh, you know, get your own podcast and do this. Like we don't give the stars enough attention. So Um Sammy wins the MVP that year, which was doubly sweet because it meant that Mark McGuire okay. didn't.
1: Yeah, Cardinal's didn't go to the playoffs, bitches. Um,
0: he led the league. He didn't lead the league in home runs, obviously, and Sammy famously hit 60 home runs three times and d- never led the league, never the league any of the times he hit 60, but he did lead the league when he hit 50 in right. 2000 and 49 in 2002. Right.
1: it's <laughs> a great stat. Great factoid.
0: So he say. led the league in runs with 134. He led the league in RBI with 158. He led the league in strikeouts for the second of three straight years, 171. Okay. He, was, he was very consistent: 174, 171, 171, yeah. and he led the league in total bases with 416. But he had 308. He had uh, he'd never in a full season hit better than uh, 273. He had a 377 on base, which was about. Thirty-five points higher than he'd ever done, yeah. And yeah. His slugging at six forty-seven was almost a hundred points higher than his. Uh,
1: it's like I wonder. I, wonder I remember why that happened. I remember personally reaching the point where I was willing to say that Sammy Sosa is a great all-around player because I was always a little suspect myself, even though I, you know I was, he had a really good ninety-six as we talked about. But you know, like a lot of guys, and you can't blame him, but they can. Feast on inferior pitching. I just remember, I remember thinking, like, well, guys like Maddox still make him look stupid. But I remember the Friday Memorial Day in 1998, uh, the fr- Friday early on in that 10-game winning streak, because they swept the Braves. Wait. No, it might have been, uh, been, been different time because I think this was in Atlanta. They swept the Braves at home. But anyway, it was a Friday night. It was I'm pretty sure it was Memorial Day weekend and Maddox was pitching, and I remember like listening to the, Pat Hughes' call, and Sosa took him yard, and I was like, flabbergasted Because Maddox was at his peak, and Sosa was doing really good stuff, but again, you, you didn't really have a lot of confidence in him. Taking what was the, the score? The was ridges. it close when Sammy hit the home run? No, it was early in the game. It was early in the game, so it mattered. Right, it because mattered. you know the famous... Which is bullshit, because nobody hit more freaking walk-offs than that guy, I guarantee no, you. No,
0: the, the famous story about Maddox was that he... Oh, He sorry. gave up a home run to Jeff Bagwell the, um, the Braves were up like 8 nothing, And he gave up a home run to Bagwell And it was a bomb And um, one of his teammates asked him about it He's said, like, oh, that's a tough pitch to Bagwell He's like, what do you mean? I threw it exactly where I wanted yeah. And they're like, what? And he's like, hitters only remember what they hit He goes, the next 20 times he faces me He's going to look for a pitch right there And I'm never going to throw him one He basically when- just said, alright, hit this as far as you fucking can I don't care, it'll, it'll serve me
1: better I, I know we're running long, but I have to share this. When Maddox came back for the Cubs in 04, and I remember watching this when it happened, uh, Vladimir Guerrero's first year in the Angels, and it was an interleague game on a Friday night. And Maddox had Guerrero uh, on a 2-2 count, and he threw a pitch that the umpire blew. Yep. And then Guerrero hit one off the wall. And then like a year later, I read an article, and Maddox was talking about that. And, he, and I remember he said that, I was setting Guerrero up for that pitch for three years. He, he was got, so pissed.
0: Greg got... Greg got visibly angry on the mound when it happened, and it never happened.
1: Is that right? So you remember that?
0: Yes. And Todd Helmsworth always told that story that he said, and I think it was even longer than three years. It was something like, it was like six or seven years. And he goes, I've been setting that son of a bitch up for that pitch for six years, and the ump blew it. Yeah. yeah That's the kind, of, yeah. and you know, you hear the stories about, and I would love for Greggy to write a book someday, but he does. He seems to show no inclination to want to. But no, it was you know, too, like too when bad. he, he, call, he called a Frank it was it a shutout? He called all the uh, pitches from the dugout when, he was, when they were playing. Together. Really? Yes. They yeah, had a 90, system
1: set up. 92, 92. They had a system yeah.
0: set up where the catcher would look into the dugout and Maddox would basically give him the sign. And okay. nobody, knew, nobody knew they were doing it. And Maddox called, Maddox called the shutout. Uh, he famously would at times sit on the bench and tell a player to move. He's like, you're going to want to scoot over. And the next pitch, a ball would get fouled into the dugout and hit right where, because he, he knew the batter and he knew where the pitch was supposed to go. And he's like, he's oh, going to well. be late. He's going to hit it right into the dugout. And he would tell a guy to move, and the ball would hit the spot where the guy left. Wow. I mean, he's got a million. Actually, what you need is somebody to write a book about him, because he won't talk about any of that stuff. It, you got a a sh- interview. Sh- there should be a book where people just tell Greg Maddox stories, because it's the only way to get all that stuff out. Because Greg's he's busy golfing. He could get a shit.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's not that he's dull like like Rhino. He, like they're both reticent but I think Maddox is actually interesting. Maddox has Um, an actual
0: person, a fully formed personality. Yeah. I think think he's
1: actually like, he's intelligent. I think, and he's, and, and he's thoughtful. It's what made him, uh, you know, such obviously pure athleticism and, 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 in a commitment to staying conditioned was, was the number the top factors, but his, his cerebral approach to the game was just one of the, another factor that you had to admire him for. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. You know he's funny. You know he's you know thoughtful and and whatnot. He just doesn't. He just chooses not to uh, not to reveal it.
0: Well, and he also made a shitload of money, and all he ever, all he wanted to do was golf. And he's so he's not, right. he's not going to announce for somebody. He's not going to do any of that. He doesn't even yeah, write a and, book, so he's not going to write a book.
1: Right, and Alex Scotty Oh, God, don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> save, that, save that for when you have Kelly Dwyer on next time. Sosa's homer is in the first inning. So I don't think – do you think Maddox would actually risk giving no. up a lead and losing a game? No. it would have to be in a low-risk situation. Sammy, must so.
0: Sammy actually earned his, unlike Jeff Bagwell. Yes, it was just hand on a home right. run because
1: Bagwell sucked. But but I from that point I remember thinking, no man, I'm going to start defending Sammy to all the haters. He's a, he's a legitimate hitter because no long because he started laying off the outside breaking ball. He started taking pitches. His on base started going up. All that it kind of maybe started happening in '96, but it really took off in '98. And then of course '98 can't even hold a candle to a season that we discussed previously. Man, 2001 so was stratospheric. So. Uh this That's was kind of the did. beginning.
0: I mean it wasn't it wasn't a Barry Bonds number, but it was big. He got walked he got intentionally walked thirty seven times in two thousand. <sighs> yeah. I mean think about the the how they were struggling for offense in ninety eight, he only got intentionally walked fourteen times. A part of that was teams thought Actually, Sammy's an intentional walk We're always going to be lower because you could basically say, fuck it, we're just going to walk him. But you could bounce pitches up and hope he would swing. He was yeah, well,
1: that's it. That's the difference between 98, Sammy, and one He was fully formed as a Oh, But it's all
0: because of Jeff Pentland. Oh, yeah. Jeff Pentland oh, is the one. It,
1: he's, another, he finally got
0: through to Sammy. It did not have anything to do it? with the fact that both with both Sammy and Maguire, they were both taking something that uh, basically – it, it not only it also improves your vision but also your uh, quick twitch muscles to the point where
1: th- you don't have
0: to make your decision as quick and it somehow makes baseball easier it's
1: amazing I th- you know i was taking flintstone vitamins all the time as a kid and that didn't happen to me so i don't know what you're talking about andy uh, the jeff pentland reference i appreciate i don't think we've mentioned mickey morandini enough and jeff thomas over in uh, the dandy little glove man Yes, Jeff Thomas will be on my ass, uh, and I can't remember anything in particular that Morandini did. But he was the finest second baseman that we had since Sandberg. Before he replaced Sandberg, actually. He had a mullet, and he was he was better than Sandberg of '97. He did have a mullet, and uh, yeah, he had a nice year for the Cubs, and he was you know one of the one of the catalysts. So um, just yeah, cheers to cheers to cheers to the Mick. Yeah the.
0: I guess to wrap this up, the 98 Cubs, they were fun for, A, it was completely unexpected. They'd been so bad. It gave us a summer full of That's baseball right. that was fun. They also were, for the most part, um, a really fun bunch of guys.
1: It, well, and just the, the individual performances of Wood and Sosa, too, yep. And then the group itself, you're right. They, they were fun. And um,
0: so it made for a good summer, and then it was good because... Things went right right back back to terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The
1: next two years. (laughs) I mean, we covered 2000 last week, and even by then, the 98 couldn't really last. It was back to being pretty depressing. Well, and we should
0: give a little credit to uh, Jim Riggleman because the, uh, what, the Cubs won 88 games, I think?
1: They won ninety. With so the 90. benefit of an their extra pyth- game.
0: Yes, yeah, so with an extra game. Their Pythagorean Theorem only had them at eighty five wins. So ah. Jim Redman coasted an extra Actually I'm surprised it's that high when you look at the pitching. I would think that that Pythagorean thing; the computer would just start to smoke. Pythagorean record, right? It's yeah, like, oh, I mean, how do you win any games with this bunch? It's like, well, until nice
1: we sat until until we sat down tonight and pulled this up, I never quite appreciated to to what extreme they just had like gigantic holes in their rotation and their bullpen, and fr- frankly, their, their, their lineup. I mean, you're talking about uh, of the seven or non-battery positions, you've got left field, third base, shortstop, guys that were not your starters. You know, basically, I don't even know who the opening day starter was in left field, but we know that uh, 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 Kevin Ory and, and Jeff Blouser had been replaced by gaetti and, and, uh, and, and Jose Hernandez. And, you know, I think what,
0: what it says to me is the Cubs should fire David Ross today and and hire Jim Riggleman.
1: <laughs> bring it back. He could bring take,
0: back Riggs. He, he could take the 2021 Cubs and work his 1998 magic on that's, the pitching staff. Uh,
1: that's going to be my motto, Andy, for the rest of this. Bring, bring back, back Riggs. Riggs.
0: Well, you know, we know that uh, Parkins and Spiegel have his phone number.
1: Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Oh, cool. I mean, oh, yeah, he, he managed as he manages recently as like three or four, right? He was the manager sort of before Dave Martinez and he kind of, he was in there for before uh Before Dave. In Washington. Before Dave And also Johnson. since. A, he got himself before fired. Before Dave Johnson or after Dave Johnson? No, he demanded,
0: Riggleman demanded a contract extension. Not very smart. And so <laughs> he basically did a Don Zimmer. <laughs> And he and said, he, "Give me an extension." And they're like, "No." And he's like, "Well, I can't manage without one." I said, "Or right, well, you can't manage then. And, the and Davy the, Johnson was like a consultant, and they're like, "All right, you're fired." Davey's
1: the and manager. then and then the Nationals took off. Basically, yep. they've been on a pretty good run since then. Nice job. I think he came back to uh, maybe manage the Reds. Then more recently, that's where I might have gotten confused. But he has. I'm confident he's managed in the last six years. So, well, he can manage again now because well, he was
0: electric. The... That electric personality
1: of when. It, and oh, and, and I've and, and I've said David it before, James David Riggleman, and I have said it before. But until Joe Madden, he was the longest-serving manager in our lifetime, and I'm glad that we finally discussed his one playoff season, and uh, and that's the 1998 Cubs.
0: Yeah, Riggleman managed the uh, Reds uh, for uh, who did he replace? He managed the last 124 games when Brian Price got fired in 2018.
1: Yeah, recently after the Cubs won the series, he. He was managing them, and then uh, in
0: 2011 was the year that he uh, he was 38 and 37, and he said, "I gotta give me a contract extension." And Mike Rizzo said, "All right, you're fired." And John McLaren <laughs> managed for three games, and then Davey Johnson took over the rest of the way, and, and they Riggleman, went to the playoffs the next year. Reillyman had a better record with that Nats team than Davey Johnson did, but yes, obviously, then the wow. Nats actually started going to the playoffs after that. So. Dave Johnson a little better the next year. They won 98 games. so
1: Sure, sure.
0: All right, so that's right, enough
1: uh, Washington National talk. Um, yeah, well, and Jim Riggleman. Game is due, I think.
0: All right. All right, well, that's the 98 Cubs.
1: I hope you enjoyed it, kids. Many of us have herpes.